Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with, oh yeah. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with, yes you did. You made it with, you made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? A lovely chat with my new pal Ben Gibbard from uh, the band Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, it's incredible. Let's get to it quickly. I do want to say, if you uh, haven't yet, please watch Crashing. It's on Sunday nights at 10.30. You can also watch it on HBO Go and HBO Now. Uh, the episode this Sunday is a uh, very personal one and a very special one. It's a, I hope you guys check it out. Um, and the first five are up as well. If you can, watch them, binge them, enjoy them. Uh, let's see. February 21st, I'm going to be at Largo uh, doing stand-up with some friends. Always a wonderful show. Um, past guests have been like Zach Galifianakis, Jed Apatow, all that goodness, all that wonderfulness. Um, we, we do have a sponsor to this one, and I'm happy to say it's the Daily Show with Trevor Noah Years edition. Trevor Noah and the world's fakest news team tackle the biggest stories in the world in uh, news, politics, and pop culture. It's like The Daily Show, but for your ears only. Studies show that ears are great for listening, and who are we to deny science? Tune in to The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition, for highlights and extended interviews. It's available Tuesday through Friday mornings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your ears on a podcast. I check it out. Um, and also, there's always the Pete's, Pete's Picks. Uh, Val's here with me. We've been traveling lately, and I was I was happy to see that a lot of people came up and uh, showed their Pete's Picks. <laughs> they had uh, their Alpha Brains, and they had their Charlotte's, he- <laughs> Charlotte's Web Empoil. Uh, the Pete's Picks, these are products that I take and use every single day. I reached out to these companies to see if they would give us a promo code uh, for you guys to try it, and they did. As I mentioned before, I got all giggling. Uh, the first one is Alpha Brain by Onnit. Alpha Brain is a nootropic. It's earth-grown ingredients. It's not a stimulant. It's like fish food for your noodle. Anything that I do that involves my brain, this podcast, writing a script, writing stand-up, or just having a nice conversation, I always take a couple Alpha Brain beforehand because it helps with memory, focus, concentration, and anything that you do with your brain, you do a little bit better with Alpha Brain. I swear by it. I take it every day, have for the past four years. I love it. If you want to try it, go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off your purchase. And the other one, as I started to mention too, is Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. It is made from the THC plant. Uh, from the THC plant, from the hemp plant. But they take the THC out and they leave in the CBD. That's the body stuff. That's the not intoxicating stuff. It's wonderful for aches. It's wonderful for pains, stress, anxiety. These are the things I take it for. I love the uh, mint chocolate flavor, Everyday Advanced. That way you can only you only need to take a couple drops uh, to feel it. Or you can get the Everyday Plus, which is also good. Uh, the Everyday is a sub-perceptual, they call it. So I like the, the two, the middle, and the strongest flavor. So if you want to try it, and uh, I hope you do, because I love it, go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY and you'll get 10% off. Try a Pete's Pick. Hope to see you at Largo February 21st. Please watch Crashing uh, both this Sunday on HBO and also catch up on their streaming platforms. 
And in the meantime, enjoy my chat with the wonderful Ben Gibbard. Valerie? Get into it. That was like a like a Japanese racing game. Like, doot, 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 dee. Get into it. Yeah, that was good. I loved it both times. I'm going to have to listen to those. Get into it. Yeah, I'm having one of those days where it feels like I did drugs yesterday, but I didn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know the day. We just wake up and you're just kind of like, what just, the fuck? You're behind yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I see Pete. I, I saw him put on his pants. <laughs> And he's he's happy. Like yeah. I'm good. I'm I'm happy to see him. I'm, I'm excited to do this. this. Is all I'm doing today. You know what I mean? No, yeah, totally, totally. And I'm I'm glad. And it's it's late. So you know, you you were working. Uh, no, I was running this morning in uh, Topanga, and then I just was like, I'm not gonna be able to get out there great. soon enough on the. I I I do like long distance trail running. Yeah, it's I just weird. saw that. It's um, so funny because I, I I spent the morning. God, man, you're so good. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that doesn't make you uncomfortable. I know that's like such a direct beam of sunlight, but like Valerie, my wife, who you uh, met at yeah, the show, yeah, sure, is a huge fan. And since I met you at that show, then I started listening to your music. I know okay. that's kind of crazy. No, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. That's, who, that's I guess who cares, right? I mean, right, it doesn't meaning matter. it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I just was like, what? What did? I, what have I been doing? <laughs> and then I, I was just, uh, I just, I feel like I spent the morning. This kind of sounds romantic, but in your in your heart, you know, it's uh-huh, so uh-huh. it's so beautiful and honest, and and I was just like like really overwhelmed by it. Oh, thanks, man. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And then, so that's the research I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just as I was peeing, I looked at your uh, Wikipedia, and I was like, oh, I'm sure it'll just be a couple things. And it's all these things, David Bazan. We have in common. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. So you, I yeah. You, I Mar- interviewed him, right? Uh, yeah. Let's right. Let's just do yeah. This Bazan, Bazan. Yeah. Bazan. You're an ex-vegan, which I'm into. Yes. Yeah. Very uh, long time ago, though. But would you? Would you yeah. You're gonna have to suffer. I, I don't know. I don't know who, what I can find. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you You got married in 2016. I did. Yes. I just yeah. got married myself. So Congratulations. We're both somewhat newly newly wedded uh, and divorced. Yeah, already. I'm also, oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not divorced. That was very quick. That was quick. <laughs> no, I got divorced in 2007. Why am I writing that down? Uh, but you run marathons. That's more interesting. Um, uh, and what was the other stuff? Oh, you stopped drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is all interesting stuff. Have you ever listened to this podcast? Well, of course, I know. This you podcast. have? Yeah, sure. So you know the stuff. Yeah, I know, I know the I know the uh, I know the style. The things I, I that I thing. yeah, the sure, things that I'm into. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. talk. Let's start with music because like it's such a it's so fun to have you here. And and I let's let's be honest with me. Let's steer it away from stuff you're tired of talking about. You know when you yeah, you, you okay. talk to somebody and it's just like oh for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting to you have a lot of poetry in you, which is such a fun. I I don't know what it was like when you were young, but poetry seemed like so for other people, other places, mm-hmm. and then to like uncover it in yourself. That's that's kind of where I wanted to start. Like, yeah, where sure. do you start feeling the exhilaration? I have to assume in writing like a, a beautiful line. The click does it feel otherworldly? Do you have a process? Is it like a first thing in the morning thing? Is it a middle of the night thing? Ben Gibbard. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where do I start? Um, yeah, you know, I uh, I guess, you know, when I was a kid and kind of started like learning how to play piano and then guitar, I at your parents' behest. Uh, I just my, wanted to say, behest. yeah, yeah. My <laughs> my parents were really good at doing this thing where they would offer 
I they I knew what I wanted to do, and then they then they would offer some. Then they would say, "Well, if you do X for let's say two years, yeah, then we'll let you do Y." No, and X tended to be something that I didn't particularly want to do. So like. We all went and saw the Karate Kid, right, and started kicking the shit out of each other in the parking lot. And then immediately, I was like, "Hey, uh, I want to take karate. Uh, I want to take karate lessons. Yeah. it's pretty awesome." Yes, I think we all we're, yeah, we're we all aged. Did. We all yeah. had that experience where I was like, "You know what's funny about karate too? I don't want to go on a tangent. No, no, here, no we can go on a tangent. But you're watching, sure. and you're also like, this kid's kind of like learning about himself. Like he yeah. Miyagi gave him such craveable attention." You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. And and he was learning. It's like kind of like a dad fantasy. I, I had a good dad, but like it was a, like an ultimate older guy, young guy, macho, fighting, learning how to – and then they sneak in discipline with it. Sure, sure, sure. Students. Yeah, totally. Well, I – and yeah, it's like, you know, you sit in the movie for an hour and a half just just inhaling sugar. Yes. And then you're out in the parking lot and you want to do the stuff you just of saw course, on, the, on the screen. Of course, rolling over cars. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, you know, so, you know, I would be like, hey, um, you know, we just saw the karate kid. I want to take karate lessons. My parents would be like, all right, uh, if you take ballet for two years. No. Yes. Uh, they'd Are be these like German people, or these, like German artists, uh, German, like German uh, dis- <laughs> like, descendants of Germans. Are they? Yeah, they are. I uh, don't know why it just felt like a German artist. Like, yes, you can do karate. Yeah, but it's like you know, <laughs> and the, the parallels they were making were like, well, you know, uh, karate is all about balance yeah. and uh, discipline, and uh, so is ballet. Uh, and and you know, of course, at the time, I was like. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take ballet for two yeah. years. Like but they were really good about that kind of stuff. They would, uh, manipulatively speaking, they would manipulate me. They outsmarted me. you. They were much smarter than me. Of course. They probably still are. Running in electrical circles around you. Yeah. So I, you didn't take karate. Uh, I didn't. But what I'm getting to, I'm getting around to music. Yeah. No, uh, I, uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted time. to like play guitar. I, I you know, I, like, I want to do that. My parents were like, okay, well, you can do that if you take piano lessons for I don't know how many years it was, but it was years. And when you're nine, you know, a year is like 10 years, right? Yeah. So, but, you know, having said that, I, I'm glad that they made me do that because it gave me like a particular foundation to understand. Grownups like piano way more, but it, yeah. it laid the foundation to understand the fundamentals of just, music. Just, right? Yeah, just, it's, I mean, it's a really, I mean, if there's one, you know, my parents did a lot of things right, I think. But yeah. one of the things that they were correct in is that. Piano is a great instrument to start on because you get to understand theory, how the notes work you together. See it. You see it. It's it's laid out in front of you on a keyboard. Is, yeah. What? E A D G B E? That seems so. So I've been told. So I've been told. Yeah. So <laughs> it took told. me a second to think of it, yeah. but it, like something about the piano and just going, this is a C scale. Just go one to the other. You sure. know what I mean? Like one, this one to the next one to the next one to the next one is a scale. Yeah. It's, it's right in front of you. It's, and you see, it wants you to win. Yeah, and guitar you see, is like, come at me, bitch. Well, and also you get to see how chords work, you know, and like, yeah. you know, when you're learning how to play guitar, it's all chords, right? It's basically all just like strumming chords, and you get to understand how they work. So I'm glad they made me do that first, and then I just kind of went off my own and taught myself how to play guitar ah. um, because I kind of just knew how music worked at that point, sort yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then soon after that, I just kind of started. I like to write my own songs. I didn't really particularly care to like learn other people's yeah. songs. I mean, where did, I, where did that come from? Did, did were your parents very loving? Because I, sometimes I'm looking for that artistic confidence mm-hmm. that comes from I'm going to write my own songs. Something I'm trying to like in, uh, encourage. Valerie has some of it, but I'm like, there's this weird kind of. It's not cocky. It's just like mm-hmm. a weird. 
I don't know. I think my mom loved me so much that I was like, I can do my own song. <laughs> Strikes on the China. That's just the Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> right, right. That's not <laughs> your song. Yeah. <laughs> but when I sang it, I made it yeah. my own. You, but did, where do you think that kind of groundswell came from? To, to, or was it not a groundswell of confidence? Was it more of a solitude thing? Uh, well, you know, I mean, I, I have like very clear memories of, uh, you know, my 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 dad was uh, in the Navy for almost 25 years, oh, wow. but he was one of those rare guys who was in the Navy, but was, you know, kind of creative and, and played music. And, yeah, artsy, uh, sporty. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, even as I'm saying that, I have no basis to know that. Except if, movies. Yeah, except for movies, right. Which yeah. are written by us. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> our people are writing like interior Navy den Put down that book, Johnson. Like it's it's all guesses by us, right? Exactly, and also, I mean, but you know, I my the people my parents hung out with some of the other Navy people were yeah. kind of like, you know, I think more indicative of what military, right? The military mentality tends to be. Right. So I have these very clear memories of my dad, like sitting on the couch, you know, playing through like a Beatles fake book, just like playing Beatles songs, like kind of singing them to my mom or to me or anybody who's just kind of around. And so, you know, I have like very, you know, uh, pleasant memories of that. And so I just kind of, I think I took the same book that he had been, you know, it's like one of those books that's like falling apart because it's been used for so many years. Yeah. And I just kind of like, okay, I, I'm tired of like piano lessons. I just want to figure out, uh, let's learn If I Fell. Like, I like that song. Yeah. And just like try to figure out where the chords are and everything. And then, you know, once you kind of learn a couple chords and you're like, well, I'm sure I could use these to like write my own songs. You're giving songs. me such a vivid memory. I, I, I played bass first. And when I realized what a power chord was... I was sitting with my friend Thomas on his bed, and uh, we're in high school, and I just was like – I figured he figured out what a power chord was. And then I just was like, well, I know every song on guitar now that I know on bass. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it can't be that easy. And I was like, it is. <laughs> if, if it's like punk rock sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, if, sure. If can, yeah. And I, that was like such a breakthrough moment, meaning when you realize – going back to what you're saying, when you figure out you have – G, C, D, A, and E, and the minors, mm-hmm. you're kind of in business. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, to this day, I, I've, I'll often say that I'm, I'm much more interested in hearing uh, a song written by somebody who just learned two chords on the guitar than somebody who right. went to music school. I just find it right. – not to say that people who are uh, virtuosic cannot create amazing music. I mean, right. they, they're doing it all the time. But there's something really interesting to me about that, um, that, that, that early stage of discovery – uh, and, totally. and just, and just, you know, the very simple kind of like, I move my hand here and here and I like right. how that sounds. And now I'm just going to write so- some words that go over top of that. That's that something me, in the way. Yeah. Oh, sorry, buddy. Oh yeah. No, 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 it's very that's, true. It's like, that's, that's what's interesting to me. That's, yeah. uh, much more interesting to me than like, you know, prog rock. Totally. I, I, that, I was thinking about the song, something in the way, the Nirvana song, oh, yeah, yeah, which sure. is just like two simple chords or whatever, or, uh, there's lots of songs that are just like something you might figure out the first time you hold a guitar and it's something kind of fun. And you do like uh, listening to a lot of death cab and a lot of your stuff, you do write songs, for example, that are just in four, four, not just in four, four, but they're in four, four, which is a very welcoming time signature. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The brain doesn't get caught up. This sounds passive aggressive. Like I'm like your music's not very complicated. <laughs> That's not at all what I'm saying. It can be very, very complicated. And what I've heard just in the past month, but it's like you also can just be like, let's not. Is it really about that? I think is kind of the question. Is it like is it about me doing some flair and like mm-hmm. impressing you, or is it about kind of like the music dissolving into an experience, like a space? Y- yeah, I- I'm not particularly interested in writing comp- complicated or complex music. Right. Um, you know, not to say that there's not a place for that, but I'm just—I tend to listen. I, I tend to enjoy listening to music that is 
very kind of lyric driven and sometimes you know the music um you know the, the song behind the words can almost be incidental. Yes. You know, um, and I don't. Buddy, that's you're so good at that. Oh, thank you. Like, well, I... And the music you write is, and I, I, I I'm, everybody thinks they have great taste in music. I, I, I know I have particular taste in music. So the music, the backdrop has to be just interesting enough, not too interesting, and that, and you, so you have these like interesting things, and then the music, the lyrics come in, and it's like lyric forward, and it's vocal forward, which is something that I really like, and then. That's what, like listening to your songs, like I had these moments over and over and over and I was like, boy, my heart is really open today. And then I, I actually think it's the music. I was like, it wasn't just me being like, I guess I'm vulnerable or raw today. It was the feeling like every once in a while a line several several times in a song would give me the feeling of like uh, you're, you have plates on your wall and then like something, a bolt falls out and all the plates just crash down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you have a bunch of plates you know, I do, on you know, a shelf. You know, I do and I don't. <laughs> I do I do and I don't. <laughs> Picture a bunch of plates on a shelf. We're in like a log cabin where plates are on display and you're like, yeah, we got plates. They're yeah, right sure. I'm, I'm with you there. You I'm, would write I'm a lyric that would unhinge the shelf and all the plates would okay, come so crashing the down. The power of my yes. lyrics was enough to unhinge all the plates. That's okay, I'm now saying. I'm with you So here. my inner plates... It's an analogy. <laughs> my, I'm feeling together, like plate presentable. Gotcha. Okay. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, these aren't plates; these are shards of porcelain. Yeah. And that, or you know, whatever plates are made of, not porcelain. I find it fascinating that um, that the analogy you're using to kind of connote your vulnerability, yeah, are just stacks of porcelain plates. plates. Yeah, that's how I feel. Inside. Yeah, I'm a bunch of plates. <laughs> And brother, collector's plates, you know, these are just regular plates? plates. All right, IKEA plates. Yeah, they are. Yeah, some of them are IKEA. Plates. So they all crash down. You're like, fine, get some more of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. They're not that expensive. Well, that's what life yeah. is. Like you, you, you feel broken, and the next thing you know, you're together. Where'd the new plates you're come back from? Back at IKEA, you got a. <laughs> you went to the inner IKEA. Mm-hmm. So we're we're writing music and we're playing your dad's Beatles book and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, and then somewhere you got. You had the inner fortitude to be like, I'm going to write songs. And do you have vivid memories of like the first time you wrote something that was like, this is good. Like, I think this is good. Like, I don't know, but I think it is. Uh, yeah, that didn't happen for, for quite a while. I feel, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I was in junior high, high school. We started these little bands and you're kind of like covering a bunch of songs and you're like writing your own how did you form your band was it did you know did you make your friends play instruments or did you find people who played instruments and become friends uh there was like a guy i heard that had a bass you know and but he uh, didn't really know i you know he did there's he, a he, guy he, i heard that had a bass well yeah this guy he's like in my class i know yeah, he's like he's a guy it's like you know it's like it wasn't you know it wasn't a, like it is now you guys it's like you, no, did, you I didn't know, know. he's like i hear that guy's got a bass that was a credit that was yeah. like that made him kind of a celebrity. Yeah, he had a bass. He had a bass. He had an Ibanez. Yeah, and I had and I had like I, yeah, and I had like a I I I don't know if I had an electric guitar at that point, but I was in the process of getting one. Yeah. And then there was the whole like getting an amp. That was like a whole. That was that was like yes. That was the next Can uh, you step to the catalog. Like getting some weird catalog of like cheap music equipment. That's a vivid memory. Of oh, mine. for sure. Yeah, like for sure. Off yeah. brand. Yep. It wasn't Fender. It was like it was like Fonder. Yeah, like, I, I I know the brand you're probably talking about. I don't want to say what it is because it might sound kind of harsh. But yeah. I will say this: like there was one music 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 store in this town I grew up in. Yeah, and uh, 
they were like a PV dealer. So they only, during PV, yeah, PV. Amps, yeah. My, I had so, a PV. Yeah, yeah. That was my business. So that was like every, every, you'd go, we'd play like these little shows that like you'd run out of Grange Hall for like a couple hundred bucks, whatever, and seven bands would show up and play. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the night, it was like, I think that's my PV band. No, I think that's my PV band. It was just, <laughs> everybody had, it was just a wall of PV bandits because that was the Who's only PV amp. PV is this? Yeah. Nobody had cool amps. So it was like, nobody had like a Marshall or a Fender. It was like, yes. it was like a Vibrolux or a Vibrotech. It was is, just like, it was all PVs. This that's, is the suburban. This is like suburban music life. This you know? to me feels like Lord of the Rings, though. It's like you're this hobbit in your school in Washington, and you go on this adventure, and you start by going – in the story, you look for someone with a sword, and now right, you're yes. looking for someone with a bass. Well, yeah. Well, I had – you know, now – so now I, I knew um, I, my friend Craig. He had a bass. So I'd go over there, and he knew like some Joy Division songs and some yeah. Coffin Break songs and some other kind of more obscure kind of punk rock stuff. So we're like – now it's two of us, right? But there's no drummer. Yeah. So like I'm going over to practice – but we're just kind of sitting on a bed. That's like, me and playing. Thomas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're kind of, we're, but we're practicing. We're taking yeah. it seriously. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we meet a, a, a kid named uh, Chad. He lives down the street. He's got a drum kit. That's now, always Chad. Always a Chad. Always a Chad. Always a Chad. <laughs> and now, now we're really cooking with gas because we got the whole. Can we got you, the whole thing? Can now. you tell me? And again, I'm projecting my own memories yeah. onto yeah. you, but that's how this conversation is mm-hmm. happening right now. Uh, I remember the first time I played with a drummer. Like playing mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. own stuff and like it kicked in and, and I just laughed. Like I I exploded with joy that like he was making the sounds that mm-hmm. I – just like a – Right, right. Like just the beat that. That's the first beat. Everybody knows Everyone's that beat. Everyone's beat. Yeah, that's the 90s beat. Everybody grew up was, in the 90s knows that beat. Everyone yeah. knew that beat. Yeah. And it was so loud. There's something about adolescence and we're so I, – I don't know if you were like me. It's like – I wasn't loud. Like, I was kind of loud comedy, like mm-hmm. ham kid, but I never made noise like that. I never had to turn the PV up to 10. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, Suddenly I mean, the PV's a 10. <laughs> well, and yeah, it's like you also, I mean, I mean, I, I, looking back, it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Plates? Uh, not plates, no. <laughs> no, the fact that a parent would buy their kit a drum yes. kit and just like have it in, in a, like not in like an outbuilding somewhere, but yeah. in the house. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it takes up. It's a large footprint instrument or set of instruments. Totally. And when you start learning how to play that thing, it's it's got to be just a nightmare to it's be in the house with somebody yes. learning how to play drums. Yes. It's got to be the worst instrument. I don't even like the montage in Love Actually, <laughs> and it's like four minutes. <laughs> there's a very there's a scene where he learns how to play drums. Okay, okay. But I, there's a kid. I've referenced referenced him on this podcast many times because there's someone a few buildings down from where I live, where we live. But if I'm sitting on the porch or sometimes even if I'm in the house, I hear this kid playing the drums and it takes all of my compassion. Mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to imagine it's someone I know. I have to go, oh, it's, uh, it's Preston. He's playing the drums because I hate him so much. You hate him. Yeah. I want to be like, you realize if you're playing drums, I couldn't play drums. What if I want to play drums? <laughs> like, I have this weird like fairness. Like, is this a make- kid? This is a kid though. I don't even know. I've never okay. seen him. He's like, is, is this, are we talking like the windows down? Like he's... Uh, he's got the windows down, and I he's think like he's in a he's kind of he's in an apartment. Which okay, is nuts. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's nuts. That's really crazy. I fantasize about being like, what's a rehearsal space cost? I will. I'll get everyone in the neighborhood to chip <laughs> in, and you're fucking out of here in the good way. Right. Like, sure. Then you can play all day. Yeah. Uh, but I remember. I remember when I was a kid, those moments of like. Let's just crack the windows open, man. Let the whole neighborhood hear this shitty yeah. Sex Pistols cover we're working it's on. So, our neighbors know? used to come over. Like 
the poor – I think it was the Whites. I don't know if it was the Whites. Anyway, the house next to my parents' house, we had this big garage and we got a drum kit and that's where we kept it. Uh, so my house was where we practiced and we got the PV up to 10 and yeah. he's banging on it and it's brick and it's echoing. And we're, we, were, we were punk rock. Mm-hmm. Like that. Right. For hours. And the poor neighbors I, – I remember we're playing and I'm singing and it's vulnerable. <laughs> and she came in and she was out of breath for some reason and, and told us to stop playing and like now I look back and it's weird that I now side with the woman but when I was a kid I was like let him hear baby like yeah right cared? well yeah and it's 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 pretty amazing that like you know we practice at Chad's house <laughs> and Chad's uh, mom was usually always home yeah and so you know you got these three morons down and not even like in the basement like in a you know in like a daylight you know like in a like a split level ba- you know how split level is uh, yeah, like sure you know, it's not really a basement just blasting out into the neighborhood yeah. and, but i mean i i look forward to the, i would look forward to that all day when i knew we were going to practice yeah. at the end of the day yeah, yeah, yeah. um it gave you meaning totally you totally. were making something and with other people totally it's something that were really even in the 90s, we were still – there wasn't like tons of opportunity outside of summer camp to like band together, literally band together. Yeah, totally. And do something. That's why the drums made me laugh so hard was here's something I have been doing in my bedroom alone and now you're also doing it. And I've always loved agreement. Like agreement just like turns me on and I was just like, ah. <laughs> and then we would do it and then we'd get really mad at each other if one of the, one of the band members couldn't make it. And would always say, "You don't have the love." Yeah, you're not serious like, enough. Yeah, which you're not was serious enough. You're not dedicated enough. Which was so crazy. But even as a kid, I was like, I was kind of a manager. I was like, "We need to rehearse more." <laughs> How are we going to get those? I, I think our first, and I think the first show we played was at, I don't know, some kid's like birthday party, and we were, <laughs> we set up in the garage, and I think, you know, two songs in, somebody, and I remember being very excited because there were actual girls at this. Yeah. Birthday party, and at that point, I guess I'm like 15. I don't think I was 16 at that point. You're like, you know, hadn't talked to a lot of girls, didn't spend a lot of time with he, girls. It doesn't even occur to you yet that maybe they want you to talk to them, or like maybe they want to talk to you. you yeah, know? I mean, it's you're like, just the synapses that kind of yes. help you do that are not, yeah, they have not yeah. kind of formed yet. Yeah. At least not for me. And I remember being very excited that we were going to play a party that there were going to be actual girls at, and some girls from the school who were like kind of popular. Not that they would necessarily sure. care about me, or but just that they would know that I was the guy in the band, and that was kind of. That was important to me. Yeah. And I, I want to say two songs in this understand. thing. Two songs in this thing. Somebody comes along and just slams the garage door shut. And we're just in there playing oh. by ourselves the garage. It was pretty brutal. Oh, but, sweet uh, Lord. But, you know, looking back, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it wasn't like we weren't. I don't know what. So, one of the kids at the party. Was yeah, one like, of the kids. I'm sorry. I'm not telling you the story. No, no, no. One of like one of the. Who else could it be? One of the one of the like, and I want to say it was like one of the kids who was like kind of a more like popular kid. Yeah, is was that like, is that who it was? Uh, yeah, came and just so was like, like a varsity jacket. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Let's just put him in a varsity jacket. He just kind of <laughs> just slams the thing, and it was like, all right, I guess that's kind of a metaphor for. Kind was of it like, punk? Um, you know, we. I don't know. Was it aggressive? Was it loud? It was it was loud and shitty, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know it. Uh, you know we like had some of our own songs. We were covering I don't know whatever songs. Were, you know we were a high school band. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's like this. You're at, I feel at that point when you're kind of starting to play music with other people, it's just you're just learning how to do it. Yeah. You're kind of learning like okay, the drummer he's in charge of the time. I, I remember I remember like the first time we you know playing with a drummer. You you it's this thing. Obviously, you you see a guy playing drums, and you know you think like, oh yeah, we're gonna follow that guy. But actually doing it, yeah, is initially a much more complicated thing to do than I think a lot of people 
uh, I think I know. I think I know what you mean. You know what I mean? It's like he's a human person behind a bunch of bongos. And you've been, yeah, and you've been playing. Like, let's say you and your buddy are like in the bedroom playing whatever songs you're yeah. doing. It's like, these these sound great. We should get a drummer. Drummer shows up, and it's like, well, no, no, we play it like this. Right. And the drummer's sitting there going, like, well, no, I, I'm playing the drums, so you're gonna you play with yeah. me because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm leading us and here. I can dominate the sound. Yeah. yeah. Like I win. Yeah. Even even having to tune to each other. All these things that we use in our language, like we have to tune into, like mm-hmm. like that's what you're doing. You band together, you're mm-hmm. a band, then you tune your instruments to sound correct in accord with one another. I, I don't mean to turn this into like an after school, like save the arts thing, <laughs> but the lessons you're learning, this sort of like grotesque, not gross, grotesque sort of like we practice and we're bad and it's loud. It's kind of like a good lesson. Oh, for sure. You know sure. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm not embarrassed that we're doing this, even though we should be kind of. Like, well, that'll come later. Well, yeah. And you kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if there are parallels in, in comedy, but, you know, we're in, this, we're in this garage and like or this, this daylight basement or whatever it is. And like, you know, we're playing music and no, none of us, there was never a moment where one, of, one turned to the other and said like, you know, we should probably be playing in Seattle pretty soon, right? I mean, we're, I think we're ready. You know, there was, there was nothing, there was nothing about what was coming out of us that yeah. we, as we anybody would have the hubris to think like this is really right. I think this is a real thing. I think we should probably start looking to record soon. Well, you know? that, that's the delusion, the necessary delusion that we talk a lot, mm-hmm. uh, talk about a lot with comedy. But I think it exists in any art, which is like you can't be too delusional where you really think you're amazing. Sure, and then you do go. Yeah. And I'm sure there were bands that flared up real fast and go away because they're just like led probably by like megalomaniacal. What's the word? Megalomaniacal. Megalomaniacal. Megalomaniacal? Megalomaniacal. Yeah, there you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Like insane narcissists that are just like crazy larger-than-life people, and these bands just kind of dissolve. You can't be like too sure of yourself, but you also can't be too realistic. You have to kind of be like in the middle where you're like, I think we're getting better, even if maybe you're getting worse. Yeah, I mean it's like – it's it's, in in this like very kind of like – you know, this gestation period of my musical career, it's like, it's what got us into that garage to play that party. It yeah. was like, oh yeah, they asked us to play that party. Like, we don't sound good, right. but We're somebody asked it. us, so let's just, let's just fucking do it. Right. Like, why not? Right. You know? Right. And uh, yeah, so that that's just kind of, I mean, I, I think that, you, you know, I think you're totally correct. I think in order to get up in front of people, no matter what it is you do, you have to have that sense of like, you know, feeling like, feeling confident enough to get yeah. up in front of people, but also, uh, uh, you know, not having you know a level of hubris that makes you think that like I should be headlining this right. bitch. You know, I I envy it now. Now that we're talking about it, because occasionally I don't know if musicians face this, but comedians are always kind of victim victim to theme shows where it's like, wouldn't it be funny if we took a bunch of comedians and had them sing a song? Like, there's there's like mm. great shows mm-hmm. like this. One of them is the Comedy Jam, the goddamn Comedy Jam. Great show. Like Bill Burrow come and like tear mm-hmm. the house down singing an amazing song. And I'm always afraid to do these shows because I want to be good. Like, I don't want to do it bad. I don't want to come out and be like, I got no kick from champagne. Feedback. <laughs> And everyone just, like like when I was young, I would have just been like, "You'll let me do it." And now I'm like, I I I, but I don't want to expose myself. But I do think in that example, like it's I would argue it's easier for you to go and like do something like that, and then if it goes poorly, just turn it into a bit, yeah. Rather than like a you Bill know, Murray I, voice. Rather than like there have been times where like I like you know obviously given the style of music that I play it doesn't lend itself that well to being funny. Yeah. So you know when I like you know I got up after you at that show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was super and like fun. and and it's for me it's that thing where it's like 
I want to keep the mood light by kind of trying to kind of, uh, you know, not like make a not make a joke, like try to do stand up, right. but just kind of try to keep try to carry the mood over from what you had just kind of established. But at the same time, I'm playing these super sad songs. Right. And, you know, I sometimes struggle when I you know do some kind of variety show like that with comics where you're like, uh, OK, well, do I just go up and just be dead serious and do this thing? Or um, do I get airs of my station and think that I'm going to like talk about my day right. and like something funny that happened to me? Right. Even though like I think amongst my friends, like we can kind of goof off and joke around. But like you're a professional comedian. Like, right. you know, there are people there who've been doing comedy forever. Right. And like, you know, that can be a slightly uncomfortable for me because I just don't. I don't want to like make it seem like I'm trying to right. be like, oh yeah, so yeah, Pete Holmes, everybody. So, anyways, you know, right. and go into a bit. Pete was talking about yeah, yeah. That's what Pete was talking about his Mario. Yeah, Mario thing. <laughs> you know, uh, and it's like you know. So for me, I it's I I think sometimes that's difficult for me, if only because I I want to make sure that I'm like deferring to the professionals, right. but also trying to like keep not bring the mood so far down that the person who's coming after me doing comedy is like, yeah, thanks a lot, asshole. Now right. I got to get up there and try to... It was to be- an interesting one. It was, it was weird. That show right? could have gone either yeah. way. I thought you did transcendently. It was amazing. It was Great fun. I, I think it was fun. I think I kind of just realized, like, you know what? Get up, do a couple songs. Yeah. Just kind of try to keep it light, but just realize that, you know, I, I don't have like funny a- songs, you know? <laughs> like, I don't have I don't have any funny songs do as far as I parody lyrics all of a sudden? Yeah, exactly. Can I say boner here with that? <laughs> that's, that's what comedians do. Uh, but that felt like a music. So we did the show. Where was what venue? Pan? The Fonda. The Fonda. The Fonda, yeah. And it was Justin Long. And mm-hmm. he, and it was a benefit with uh, Chiverges. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the nine billionth person to say Chiverges. And, but it's an interesting thing when you go. It was basically like two comedians, band, two comedians, mm-hmm. band, two, all night. Mm-hmm. I actually thought we got in when the getting was good. I thought so too. Like yeah. after that, it was kind of I, I, di- I didn't see all of the show, and it's certainly not to put anybody down. I'm talking just the energy level of the audience. It felt like, all right, I'm glad I went when I went because changing channels like that for an audience can be difficult. Can be difficult for, well, for and, us and for them. And you know, I'm I'm friends with I ended up on the show because I'm friends with Lauren from Churches, and we've done some touring together, our bands, and yeah. Um, so she was like, you know, I, I've been we've been working on a record in Santa Monica, so I was like, yeah, I can come over and do that. Totally, totally down to do it. Um, but I'll, I'll admit, like you know, you know, you know, I I don't know when I signed on, but fairly early. Yeah. And then I would see over like Instagram, 50 like people. We added thirty more people than yes! the show. For, the fortieth comic. Yeah, we had and I was the like, same experience. And I was like, oh Jesus Christ! And I was like, and I remember, I remember going to like. Uh, this may sound kind of bad, but going to like uh, my day to day guy manager and be like, hey man, just make sure I'm like, I'd like to get. Yes. On as early as possible, I will open the show no if, because I was like, I was, Ring I was the show business bell. That's and, real show and, business. And, I, and I, I have to say, I have to say, I was like, I was. They they did such a great job of keeping the whole thing together totally. because I've been. I'm sure you have too. Been part of those kind of shows where like it's a cavalcade of stars, yeah. and it's just like it's four in the morning. You're like, yeah. God damn it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't gone people, on yet. Some yeah. people were going long too, and I yeah, was like, totally. fuck our faces. Like, yeah, totally. This is the worst. If we bleed into like four hours, we're only fucking ourselves. Like. Everybody's well, exactly. getting fucked, and and people. And I've been, I've done those kind of shows Me where, too. like, by the time I go on, people are just angry. You can see yeah. the, yes. audi- the audience well, is just standing. like they're mad. Yeah, because they've been standing. They're, they're getting, standing. They're getting show back, which oh, is a real thing. For what's show back? Oh, you know, you're at a show and you've been standing for four hours. Show and you're lower back. back. Uh, I have to get my, my friend John Worcester came up with that one, so I can't take credit for it. But it's like I've been standing at the show for like four, I mean I'm over forty, so yeah, yeah, I get yeah, show yeah. back. But yeah. I don't think it 
Buddy, I've gotten Choback since I was 17. Yeah. I'm like, 66. <laughs> like, I, got, I have Choback right now and I'm seated. <laughs> but we lucked out. I, I just love that parallel because we both had the exact same experience. And I, I, Justin is going to do the podcast and I love Justin and I, I, I love churches and I was so happy to be a part of the show. But my first thought when I got there was I should have I canceled because hmm. I just get that panic. Where I'm like, this is too many people. I was, I, I wasn't even based on anything like watching mm-hmm. the show. I was just like, this is a huge lineup. I'm going to do poorly. You know that feeling? You're risking something for sure. It's, it's yeah. a gamble. Like I, I talk about this a lot, and I, I was going to get to the vulnerability of singing because it's a little bit different from the drums. When you're, I was talking about, I, <laughs> I sang in my band. There's something about it. It's mm-hmm. your sound. Yeah. It's it's. I'm going to say it's 10 times more vulnerable than, than just playing a guitar. Like, no, if you play a guitar like a little bit off, who cares? But if you sing and it's bad, people are kind of like, yikes. Yeah, and especially if you're, if you're fronting a band or something like that, there is, you know, um, you know, you know not, to, not to like uh, speak ill of anybody, you know, anybody in a band that's not the singer, but, yeah. you know, the bass player can have a bad show. Totally. And it doesn't read the Sid same Vicious. way. It doesn't read the same way. Yeah, like, like Sid. Sid Vicious like Sid. was terrible. Yeah. And they were like, that was a great show. He's over there passing out. <laughs> I mean, you can kind of, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, my hope is that our bass player actually plays the songs, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's kind of my hope. <laughs> and, you know, a bad show would be like, oh, I didn't land that note the way I wanted to. Not so much that he's passed out right. on stage. You have a great uh, bass player. He's great. He's I was amazing. Listening. I was like, no, holy shit. I, I love Nick Great so bass player. He's, he's great. Is bass. it five string? Because it was – does he play four string? No, it's four. It's yeah. a four string. It sounds so good. He it's makes it sound so- like – he makes it sound like 40 strings. <laughs> I but I literally – I was thinking about it because I was like, it's so deep. It's like such a rich, deep, low sound that I was like, I don't know how they're doing this. Like a lot of bands, mm-hmm. even the low E on a bass doesn't sound that – I don't know. It just sounds great. It's mixed yeah. great. It's engineered well, whatever it is. And he's a very good player. So we're talking about singing, though. If you have a, a bad time, if your throat's fucked, if, or if you're just not feeling it, like mm-hmm. Glenn, Glenn Hansard did this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I always love asking singers what they do about their voice. And he was like, I don't really have a secret. And I was like, well, what's your secret for hitting the notes? And he goes, meaning it, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I thought was a great quote. So if you can't get into the space of the song – Especially what you're doing, like you're writing these. Not all, no, not all your songs are emotional, but the emotional mm-hmm. ones, everyone's gonna know or feel it in your performance. I think if you're, yeah, I mean, it. but I don't, I don't think I don't have a particularly like expressive voice. I mean, I, 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 I like my voice just fine, but you know, I'm. Um, you know, I don't. I think I know what you're saying. You're, it's. I not, don't rely. I mean, you know, that like somebody like Glenn has this like really emotive kind of soaring right. voice, and I can imagine that if. You know, he's doing a show and he's not feeling he's able to kind of connect into the music the same way that, uh, you know, that that would that would, you know, make the performance kind of go right. one or two ways. But for me, um, you know, I, I sing fairly plainly right. and like I, you know, um, I don't uh, I don't tend to rely on like, you know, acrobatics. Not that those are right. bad. You but know just, what it is? I just, Joe Cocker, the in help from my friends. right, yeah, sure. Like you don't have those. No, I can't. I couldn't do that if you, but you had are a gun very to my head. clean. Your your voice is kind of like white paper, which is a very hard quality to achieve. It's very open and very clean. So it, it, I'm just kind of saying it, you mm-hmm. don't have to do the Joe Cocker thing. To yeah, be well, excellent. it's a good thing I don't have to. Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> but no, I mean, so you know, I mean, the the shows that I have that tend to be that I I, I tend to be like quote unquote bad shows. Yeah. Um, you know, there are the shows where like. You're sick, 
and you can't sing very well or you're kind of starting to lose your voice and you're starting for me then the anxiety anxiety starts of like okay i'm feeling uh you know it's you know uh it's we're in dc and i'm i just got this cold i'm starting to like it's i'm starting to feel it take away from my voice but we're playing in new york in three days not that dc or any of the cities in between are are not important but i can see the deg i'm really now i'm have this anxiety around the degradation of my voice yeah. for the next x if amount it's of this shows bad now right exactly and then you know sometimes you have to i mean thankfully not that many times you know uh, i've had to like reschedule a show or something like that but um right uh you know but i tend i think for me the shows that tend to be quote-unquote bad shows are the ones where it's like we've been on the road for a long period of time the shows are starting to kind of bleed together um you know it's a sunday and you're in some tertiary market somewhere and it's just like and you know you're and i those the shows where i lose perspective on how fucking amazing what i do for a living is That's it. That's it's it. like you you just it's not like i i i'm never like this is stupid i don't want to be here right. but it's just that you just lose a little bit of the edge right. you lose a little bit of enough of the gratitude for how unique and amazing well you lose soul points yeah, yeah. You, you're, you're giving more than you're getting, you, and and you just like you, I, I'm, lo- I'm 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 forgetting how amazing this is, right? For just or I'm not able to like really I'm not I shouldn't say that I'm forgetting I'm una- unable to harness yep. the energy. You're not feeling it, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. You I'm not feeling it the way I want to feel it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How how are you? Because the the skill of being a musician and a, and a songwriter and a singer and all those things is very different. That transition of going, well, I'm a comedian, okay, I'm funny at the lunch table, okay, I, I, can, I like writing, I like studying comedy, now I'm doing comedy. Then you become a comedian, and now you're touring. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> how, are you, how were you with that, the skill of being on the road? Because I've been where you're saying, mm-hmm. and I actually kind of wonder where alcohol played into this, because that can be for me where like booze starts to kind of yeah. become such a part of the routine or – how were you when it when it came to touring? Being on a bus, being on a plane. Uh, well, I, we have to go back before that and go yeah. go in the van. Um, <laughs> and uh, and for, you know when we first started touring, this the was van. like in ninety ninety eight when our first record came out, and we were doing, um, you know, we all had like whatever jobs we had at that time, and going on tour. The tours were relatively short, maybe like a week to ten days, usually like a West Coast, or mm-hmm. they weren't extensive, you know, month long tours. But they were also a break from having to do normal life stuff. They were a break from having to go to a job that you probably didn't like that much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like a vacation. Like right. touring was like a vacation. You right. get to go out and we didn't particularly care if there wasn't anybody there. Right. You know, our early tours, we'd play down the coast and there'd be like – we'd be stoked if there were 10 people there. I mean, you know, and I'm not, I'm not like, you know, trying to like uh, uh, myth, mythologize our kind of origin story. But, you yeah. know, that's how it was. You'd show yeah, up and be yeah. like – Oh man, ten people showed up. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And maybe somebody you know offers you a place to stay. You go back, stay with them. Um, you know, and it reminds me of uh, Bazan. Yeah, he I'm kind sure. of returns to that purity of the the living room shows, which I think mm-hmm. is so cool. I just want to go and perform for the right 150 people. As yeah, opposed and, to- and and at that time there was no you know we my like what I thought was feasible as a career in music was kind of. I would I saw in some of like the you know the indie rock bands that that I kind of admired at the time, which was like yeah these guys or these women, they go out and like they'll put a record out on some cool label and uh, they'll go and tour for like a month around the country. Maybe they get a chance to go to Europe, but then they're going back to whatever job that they had. And so for me, I was always seeing my life as a musician as something that like I will uh, go to school, I will get some kind of like marketable skill. 
and then I will play music and hopefully I'll be able to kind of find a balance where a job will let me go mm. and like go and do these tours. And so really, you know, in the early days of the band, that was really all that we hope for. All we hope for because, you know, the landscape of music in I the know. late nineties was fucking awful. It's like, yeah. you know, I mean, indie rock, everything in the underground, you know, that was happening, indie rock, punk rock, everything, there was a thriving community of people doing that. But if you turn on the radio, it was like the worst music you've ever heard. You know, right. it's like alternative rock radio was at its the worst that it had ever been. <laughs> so, you know, there was no there was no thought that we would ascend into some kind of like career. You just band. wanted a good sidecar to your motorcycle. Yeah, pretty you much. You knew you might be a teacher or Yeah, or, totally. And, I, and but you'd also uh, Mr. Gibbard occasionally goes off and yeah, on summer vacations he yes. goes off and uh, plays in his silly little band. He's so happy the first three weeks of school. <laughs> he keeps asking how we all doing tonight. <laughs> yeah, and so and <laughs> and so like in those early those early tours, you know, um, there weren't like bad shows because they were weird stuff that they were shows. Yeah, you know, and some of the the funniest kind of I mean, we'll try to tell all of them or any of them right now, but some of the funniest Please, things that happened at those. <laughs> that some of the funniest things that happened in my career happened in those early shows where you show up at a venue and it's like, oh, it's supposed to be outside, but it's raining. Now it's in this coffee shop, but you can't have your amps up over one. And uh, we're going to have to play at 11. <laughs> I know the show's supposed to be at 8, but now it's at 11 because that's when the cafe closes. Like shit like that. And you're kind of – and stuff that like if it happened now, you'd be like, I'm fucking out of here. But now you're like, you're like okay. This is your okay. – I don't – my TV show crashing. Yeah, I know your show. That's, yeah. This is your crashing. Yeah. And if you're like me – you look back with this like there are, there should be like a German word like we don't have a word for it but like mm-hmm. the ache of nostalgia but the sweet ache of it you know what I mean yeah totally like, I wouldn't do it now in fact I would like <laughs> flick a lit cigarette at the yeah. guy <laughs> and get on my motorcycle or some bullshit now, obviously that's not true but that's how I would feel yeah at the time I would just be like okay and it would be like why can I hear the the strumming of the the, the vibrations of the strings more than the amp, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, and, and, the and, and show. <laughs> but also it wasn't like we weren't, we didn't. None of us thought that we were going to be here. You know that our career would have been what it has become. Right. So there wasn't like a thought of like, man, once we can get some money and once we kind of have a big record, you know, I can't wait to get. You know, there was that wasn't even like a consideration. It wasn't. It wasn't even something that we. You know, if we ever talked about it, we were joking about it. Right. And you know, thank and luckily for us, like you go, you go to San Francisco. There's 15 people. The next time we went back, there were 50 people. Right. Next time there were 100 people. Right. And over the course of like what Jack Johnson said. Yeah. And over the course of like five years, um, you know, until our record Transatlanticism came out, you know, we were just kind of slowly growing and like kind of learning how to be a band. And Mm. I think for I think for. You know, I'm not saying that that I'm not sure if that doesn't happen anymore, but I do think that. Well, I don't think I. I feel very fortunate that we were able to kind of like uh, learn our craft, if you can even call it that, mm-hmm. in relative anonymity, mm-hmm. um, and oh, that some of the dumb shit you didn't that I might upload your first YouTube. Yeah, yeah, and so maybe yeah. some of the dumb shit I said on stage, or like, right. you know, the, something I thought was funny, and I was just being stupid, or like right. whatever, like that. That stuff, or an interview I gave that was. You know, I said something kind of like that somebody would have made fun made right, fun of me right, for. Right, right. That just that stuff. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Somebody wants to find it and make fun of me now. Right. But you know, it's it, you know we were you able were to kind cocoon. of we were, yeah we were able we were able to make mistakes and yeah. uh, you know it it I wouldn't say it saddens me for young bands yes. that's not the case anymore. They're but gonna, people tweet about it. This, you know, say something stupid or or, or suck or have a bad mm-hmm. show or something. It, it can spread. But people doing music and comedy now, like they've grown up with in they've grown up with these uh, elements in their life. They've grown up with social media. They've right. grown up with the internet. Uh, they've they've 
they've kind of launched their, you know, you know, young careers in a world that they know how to use these things and they hopefully understand that if they say something right. on stage that's like kind of offensive, that people are going to hear it, right. you know. Um, and I'm not, and I, I don't want to give the impression that I was out there like, yeah, no, I don't. tossing racial epithets around yeah, on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we were able to like epitaphs, epitaphs. Yeah, yeah. we were able to like, <laughs> we were able to kind of just um, learn how to to do it, you know. And and right. you know, I, I feel like we're still learning how to do it. But um, you know, I feel very fortunate that we had a good five years before anybody you, really knew who we were. You were the kids that had the parents that just let you go out. And play, stay the side of the train tracks. Oh, not at all. No, no, I no. don't mean your parents literally. I mean, oh. <laughs> you as a band were allowed in that freedom to fuck up. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Especially with comedians. Like, I remember um, Sean Patton, who I love, he's a comic, mm-hmm. doing shit that if he did it now, it would be a story. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, if he was here, I'd let him explain it, but like, um, intentionally provocative mm-hmm. stuff. Because that's what we were all doing. It's like you got in the comedy cockpit and there's all these levers and switches and stuff. And so many of the early guys were just like, which ones of these? What did Lenny Bruce do? Oh, prior? And we're all just amateurs. But you'd go up and that's those were the fires that like forged these people into professionals now. But they had that benefit of being able to fuck up. And that's got to be much more dangerous. I mean I think it's a much more kind of precarious – walk to do as a comic where uh you know you you've you you kind of are fans of people who are who have over over decades have learned how to be provocative in a way that um you know is is just kind of leaning over the edge but not kind of tossing themselves right. completely over harder than it looks uh I, yeah absolutely yeah, and i can imagine saying. a lot of people have just like Bear. and then yes. just like okay well you're you're done now well it's a guy i always think of someone just trying to do a pollock and Pollock mm-hmm. started doing photorealistic, you know, regular quote unquote painting. And then he started slapping paint around, you know. He was professionally trained. He knew he took the path. Mm-hmm. Some people just jump to the Pollock phase and it's like, this just looks like garbage. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like right. and you don't know what makes it different from a Pollock, but there's something in there. There's like an inherent wisdom sure. in his brush that, yeah. that he learned from kind of doing the basics. I wonder though, because when I hear these stories, they're always no surprise to me. That you're like, we just did it. We thought we were going to have side jobs. I wonder if you have any sense of – let's not get cosmic before we're getting cosmic. But it's like the universe kind of or, – or just saying music, honoring the pureness of the intention. It's like a fairy tale. It's like these guys didn't want <clears throat> to get famous. You didn't sit around going like, well, I'm rich. I'm going to get a Rickenbacker, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about that. You were just like, there's 10 people here. I can't believe I get to do this. Well, yeah, and you know, I, you know, with all due respect, or or maybe it's not necessary to, to uh, every band that I played in up until, you know, uh, you know the way the, the 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 Cliff Notes version of the band is. I wrote a bunch of songs under the name Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, Chris Walla, who's no longer in the band, but was for a very long time. He had bought some recording equipment. We made this cassette of me playing all the instruments. Yeah, and then he produced uh, – you can play the these songs with chords. Yeah. It's a funny so, title. It's very funny. Get out of my realm. <laughs> That's our realm. <laughs> and so we make this thing and uh, you know, and then people start hearing it. And you know, I'm sure you've had this reaction too. Like when you're doing something that people – that is actually connecting to people, you can see the, – the reaction goes from like, oh, yeah, you're kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. To like – 
Man, you you know what? I yeah. mean, seriously. And I, I saw my friends who had been kind of coming to see whatever band I was playing in, little shows here and there, who were just going friend rock. You know, yeah. it's friend rock. Friend. You go to see your friends. You go to see a friend rock band. You're like, I don't really like them, but they're my friends. I got to go. And, it, it you know, something shifted from like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a good show, whatever, to like, no, seriously, that, yeah. that was really good. Right. And from the, the moment we first played together when we first we put together a band to play these songs live just for a, a kick um from the moment we kind of like stepped into the first song we just sounded good yeah and we sounded better than everything any of us had ever done leading up to that point in wow. the first notes we played right. and and i think it that kind of solidified something. well just like we just we were just good i mean <laughs> and i wouldn't put that to a vote but yeah. like you know we just sounded good it's like everybody it, there was no like Man, I really wish um, the drummer and the would not kind of do this thing. It's like everybody just we just sounded like a band from the first notes, wow. and I think what what kind of like got us into all these like out into the world and playing for ten people or less or driving for eighteen hours to play to five people. Those stories that everybody has who you know is playing music you know in the early days, you know, was just that we just we just knew that. You know, we didn't we didn't think that what we were doing was going to have some mass appeal, but we we felt confident and we thought we were good. Right. You know, we we thought it was worth doing. We thought it was it's worth going and driving eighteen mm. hours to play to five people because those five people will probably tell ten people and then maybe they'll come back the next time. Right. And 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 you you're know, actually giving them something. It's not just sugar water. There's there's a little bit of nutrition. You're feeding them with something. Musically speaking. Yeah, I you know hope I mean? so. Yeah, like people are are being moved, or they're mm-hmm. enjoying it. On the well, other and end. and I'm sure you, uh, you know, and you know, I mean, obviously, you know, there are a lot of people who like our band, a lot of people who don't like our band. But I will say that, you know, I'm sure you've had parallel experiences when you go out on the road. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know what your, uh, you know, what doing a show is for you now. But I'm sure there's a time where you'd show up in some city, and there'd be five other comics, and they're all fucking terrible. Yeah, and like they're terrible in this city, they're terrible in that city, and then you show up in some random city, and there's somebody who's actually really funny, so and you're like, cool. "Whoa, dude, you're really funny!" And that's that was happening to us too. We'd go out on tour, and you'd play with four bands, and they're all just like, they're all just like not good mm. or not interesting. Maybe is a better way of putting it. Nothing mm. unique. Mm-hmm. There's nothing unique. And then all of a sudden, you'd come across some random band. You'd be like, "Whoa, you seriously like, you guys are yeah incredible." Do you remember and, one? Uh yeah, we um let's see. We we played with a band in Seattle and they, they never really kind of uh became a household name by any stretch of the imagination, but there was a band called Rat Cat Hogan that we <laughs> randomly found ourselves in a building in Seattle and we were just like, "Well, no, seriously, you guys are yeah. really good." And and you know, that happened, you know, around and some of those, you know, I don't not sure if any of those bands ever kind of went on to like, you know, put out more it's than funny. records for their friends, yeah. but but yeah, it's like I mean, I think that when we would go out and play shows, I think we we just felt we did feel confident that we were good. I love um, it. And and you wrote those songs. Tell me about the process of writing those songs. I know your friend, uh, the former band member, mm-hmm. recorded them. Um, were these songs you wrote by yourself? Uh, the very fr- pretty much the the lion's share of the first record, what became the first record, were songs that I had. Um, written myself and and arranged a lot of them like, like you, you would know. write the bass part and uh yeah some of that's yeah, yeah. i mean I, you know you have to go song by song but right you know, I, let's just say for the you know that i did definitely did the lion's share i'm actually of, not trying to stoke you stoke your ego as or or dole <laughs> out credit as much as i'm interested in the experience of like you're out in the band world mm-hmm. you're doing some touring you're taking your lumps 
And then, like, there's a quiet moment of, like, while all of this noise is happening, good noise, but mm-hmm. noise, you took, a, you took a quiet moment and started doing something else that you would then later show to people. And that, I guess, in that incubation of just being inside of you, mm-hmm. it had a chance to maybe take legs better than maybe a, a jam turning into a song would. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I understand your question. We didn't – yeah, we didn't um, – we never really have – you know, there have been – we never really jam. We didn't. We didn't ever wrote together per se. Like yeah. there were some moments, you know, throughout the years where we're kind of working on a song and something kind of happens that leads to another part. But we we didn't just show up to band practice and be like, "What do you got?" Right. You know, I. I and to this day, I I really dislike writing that way. I really dislike yeah. just a bunch of people in a room with their amps up all the way, just trying to like write music together. It just it's never worked for me personally. Yeah. It's just it's it's really difficult for me to focus in on what even when we're like, you know, we're in the studio and some of the songs are in more uh at least, you know, a couple months ago we're in much more kind of like early stages and not everybody knew what they were playing on the song. Right. Even even then when I know what I'm playing, I know what the song structure is. Right. You know, I still dislike playing a song for three hours so that, you know, uh you know Dave, our guitar player, can like find what he's doing. Like, right. so I'll usually just be like, I'm gonna put my guitar and vocal on the track, and like, you got, you know, I'll be in the room, but I, you know, I can't hear what I, I want to hear what you're coming up with, but I can't hear. I, I, I want to listen. I want to listen. I don't want to be playing. Right. Uh, it's very difficult for me to play, sing, and listen at the same time. Right. 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 Um, but yeah. So for for you know for the you know. I, I have you know written the 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 lion's share of the music right. you know the or that you know skel every, you know mo, the you know vast majority of the skeletons with you know some musculature on them as well yeah I wonder what that's such an interesting thing to me especially when I was in a band in high school uh, and uh, college a little bit but it was just that we love you start to look at why do we love the idea of the front man who writes his own stuff but we we just <clears throat> we do <laughs> like it's something that we enjoy like if i knew you didn't write your stuff for some reason it would take me one step out of it i i, I don't know what my point is but that just kind of came to mind well yeah i mean i mean one of my favorite bands is depeche mode and you know i mean martin gore writes virtually all of the music and lyrics for mm-hmm, that band and mm-hmm. then dave gahan sings the songs uh-huh. and you know it's never never like bothered me that that was the case yeah, but i do i do hear what you're saying that it is I like oasis oasis, oasis. yeah it's example, like yeah. you know it is kind of it is kind of an interesting i don't know i've always dynamic. looked i've always looked down on uh <laughs> noel no liam no Noel, Noel did this show i i, I kind of love liam too though i think like i think Neil? he's really funny i think yeah. both of those guys are i think they're hilarious and, but look down is too harsh of a way to put it but i remember when i was in high school now i don't when mm-hmm. i was in high school it's like pfft, you didn't even write it. It was this weird, like, DIY, like, you should be singing from your heart, man, not just what your brother wrote. <laughs> Stupid. But I, I do like the idea that you went off and wrote these songs and then the band came together and and, and a sound emerged that, that wouldn't have come about through another way. Oh, for sure. And, you know, the, you know, the evolution, the sound and the evolution of the band is very much um, a function of a band atmosphere. Like, I don't want to give anybody the impression that, Oh, I'm yeah, the yeah. mastermind behind all this. I mean, yeah, but, you know, but but at the same time, like I am the singer and songwriter in the band, and you know, our records would not have turned out even remotely how they turned out for not, you know, you know, the members of the band and Chris producing a lot of the early records. Like, you know, that's just how it is. But yeah. at the, but at the same time, you know, I've always held to the point that you know, if we if I write good songs, we'll have good records. If I write 
bad songs will have bad records. Right. Like it had the songs have to be, uh, you know, you can't you you can't make a bad song good or great by, um, you know, playing like a cool bass line or a guitar line or right, a production right. trick. It doesn't. Right. You can't polish a turd. Right. Right. It's like the old you know saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah. So. Um, and I, I, but I enjoy that. I enjoy that job. I, I enjoy right. that responsibility. And I don't feel like, um, you know, when we, whenever, when we break from tour or kind of promoting whatever we're promoting at the time, like I, 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 I don't make a big show of like, all right, guys, well, I guess I'm going to go back and uh, write some hits. Are you going on vacation? That must be nice. Ah, must be nice. Ah, oh, you're, oh, you're playing with your kids. That must be nice. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm here writing songs. What rhymes never... <laughs> with you're playing with your kids? <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> I just, uh, but I just like. I mean, I, I just, I like, I love doing it. So, yeah. and I don't. But and, you also get that. You get that good feeling. I mean, oh my to, god, to yeah. extricate those ideas and bring them into expression has to feel. Oh. I know it does because I do it in comedy. Sure, and it's like you know, there's that beautiful kind of moment when you're alone with something that you've just created and you're really proud of it mm-hmm. and you can't wait to share it with people. Right. And, and that's like the, I think that's the, the <laughs> thing that probably both and I, both you and I are probably chasing all the time yeah. is like, I want that feeling of like, I'm, you know, I have a little studio in Seattle. I go and work on music. Like it's my day job when I'm at home. And if I come up with something I'm really proud of and I'm leaving the studio, I'm like, man, I'm really, yeah. really excited about this. And you know, whatever else is going on in my life, it doesn't, it, it, get, it doesn't get in the way of that, yeah. that feeling of self-satisfaction. It gives your uh, your happiness some grit, some fortitude. Like I feel like my, the floorboards of my inner being are stronger if I'm doing something, if I'm creating something that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. Everything is better. Sure. And I, I just completely relate to what you're saying. Do you remember – so you're doing this this time. People are starting to go, no, really, that was good. What was it – what were you drawing on in your life that was helping you tap into a place that people – we're relating to like those first songs that people were like no seriously not friend band we uh, love that i don't know i i feel you know i think it might have been just the same stuff that a lot of people kind of react to it's like you know some some person breaks up with you and then you have all these feelings because you're 20 yeah you know <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but I think also too, I, I, something I, I, you know, the band that I was in, uh, before I started doing death cab is like a side project. Um, you know, I think we had some really good songs, but the, just there, there wasn't a, there didn't seem to be a true identity across all the music. It was just kind of like, right. this kind of sounds like that. This kind of sounds like this. And, you know, I, I, I remember like it was as if, as if just like a, a, a switch just got turned on and I wrote five or six of those tunes that were on the first tape and then the first record in the course of like month and a half two months which was really prolific for me like i would go months without really writing a song and for whatever reason whether it was a confluence of um influences that were kind of all kind of you know light bulbs in my head of like oh the guitar could be like this maybe and then maybe the bass line sounds like this thing that Mm. other thing Mm -hmm. that i like or just maybe you know the maybe that in concert with uh just kind of the evolution of of my me as a writer kind of learning how to be learning how to say the things i wanted to say in the way i wanted to say it right um i'm sure those two kind of factors probably were why all of a sudden i had this like bloom of of songs right was it this kind of goes back to what we started talking about at the beginning was Mm -hmm. poetry over there someone else then it becomes something that you're making and do you remember like Giving yourself permission to be like, no, I am going to write something poetic. I'm going to write something lovely. Mm-hmm. Do you not? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people go like, I can't write something lovely, and you're like, fuck it. 
I'm going to write something lovely. <laughs> I think that I think that's what separates somebody who's doing what you're doing from a lot of people is it's like the vulnerability, like a bad lyric, like a big swing mm-hmm. that just falls flat. Like I think hurts just like it must hurt when a joke doesn't work. But yeah. like when it clicks, suddenly you're making my plates fall down, you know, and I'm like, ah, fuck. <laughs> like such a great such a great little mini earthquake that you can create with your words. Do you remember when you started to would you agree first that you're you're more poetic than say I don't, I don't want to name another example by calling them not poetic. But yeah. there's more poetry in what you're like you're a, well, uh, you're a songwriter. You're, well, I, I, you're a lyricist more than just a musician. Like you write you get it. I, I, yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. I take pride in my lyrics. I would. I would. I would. Ne- if you know, I would never kind of shame somebody for saying you write such lovely poetry. Yeah. But that's not what I write. I mean, I. You know, I. You know, lyric lyricists are not poets. Poets. You know, poems are meant to kind of sit on a page, and they have a certain I see. cadence, and they. You know, they can be. You know, they. You know, they can be structure. They can take on a particular structure or be structureless. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've always relished the structure of a song as a way to kind of like to put words into right that that's i like i like constraints yeah it's like you know it's like musical it's like a musical version of like a haiku or something like that it's like these are the amount of syllables i have i can i have to fit them in here right and i i I mean what's something that you know about our band and about my songs that i i've i had you know an epiphany about years ago when i was you know um upset about somebody saying something mean about my songs was that you know it you know what people love about what i do and what people despise about what i do is the same thing Mm. it's like it it is you know the the lyrical style the vulnerability the emotiveness like you know there are people who are open um who are open to that and can um uh are vulnerable enough themselves to kind of uh, see it mirrored in their own lives, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think that if you, I'm not, I'm not insinuating that if you dislike how I write, right. that somehow you do not have a level, you don't, right. you you lack emotional, you de- it, yeah, you, you, it's not that you lack emotional depth, right. but yeah, some people want to listen to the Stooges, right. you know, not everybody wants to listen to uh, the Red House Painters, right, you know, right. um, so you know, I once I kind of realized that I was, it kind of, I felt fairly. Um, uh, just kind of free, uh, free right. from from being concerned, be, asking that question that people in their twenties always ask themselves: is why doesn't everybody like me? Right. And it's like, oh well, because I write this particular type of song, right. and and there are people who really hate that type of song, and they have every right to hate that type right. of song because it's not for everybody. But the people who 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 do love it, who do kind of connect to it, um, uh. You know, I, I'm I'm I feel very fortunate that there are enough people in the world that do yeah. that I have a career doing this. That's it. I feel like that's one of the big epiphanies every artist has to have at some sure, point. Sure. Yeah. When people are like Pete laughs at his own jokes and he's goofy. And I'm <clears> like, <throat> Yep. And I trust me, one of my favorite stories I've told it many times is there's this comedian killing on stage. I wish I could remember who it was. It might even be folklore at this point, but he's killing on stage. There's one guy in the crowd not laughing. And uh, he's destroying. And while the roll, rolling laughter is coming in, he leans to the guy who's not laughing and goes, I agree with you, but we're outnumbered. I, I think that's <laughs> such, a, such a great thing. Meaning I understand what people <laughs> might not like about what I do. But then sure. you're also like the fact that you can identify what you don't like about what I do 
means I'm doing something. Like it's – you know what I mean? It has a shape. Yeah. And that shape isn't for everybody. It's like when I saw Dimitri Martin at the Boston Comedy Club, which is the club we portray on Crashing Real Place. used to be a real place. I used to eat my balls every night at that club and Dimitri is and was a hero of mine and he came in and he didn't do that great and he goes – he said to the audience, he goes, I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And I was like, you can just do that? You can just kind of yeah. like surrender and go like, I get it. I do think it's interesting though that what you do can be vulnerable to the point – to a point. Literally, mm-hmm. it's vulnerability sharpened to a point where somebody's idea of reality – being wrapped around Oakley's and, and Kid Rock albums would actually be threatened by it. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I it's, love that. I love that. It's so yeah. soft. It's actually a spear. You know what I mean by soft. Yeah, absolutely. I actually mean yeah. lovely. I mean like it, it pierces people. Oh, no. We are soft rock. <laughs> I, I think I – think- if in, the, in the spectrum of rock, we are we are far more soft rock than we are. You're like pumice. Hard rock. You're a yeah, pumice. Yeah, exactly. No, but I love that. I let you know one of my. But fa- it's a weapon. It's weaponized vulnerability. One of my favorite things that happens. It happens to me. This happens to me all the time. Yeah. All the time. Some some guy will come up to me like, "Oh, uh, you're in a death cab, right?" And like, yeah. He's like, "Yeah, my uh, my wife loves you guys." Or like, "Yeah, my uh, my my sister loves you guys." Right. Yeah, my girlfriend's a huge fan. Right. Yeah, my sister really likes you guys. Yeah. And uh, and you know. <laughs> You know, there are there are there are some people who say that just in an attempt to just relate right. and to pay a particular type of compliment, and then there are, uh, and then there it depends on where you put the emphasis, right? Yeah. Or it's like, right. yeah, my sister likes you guys. Yeah. You know, or like my sister <laughs> likes you guys. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There's it's all in the emphasis, right. but I've had every version of it, and you know, um, I I do, I I I also have grown to really love when it's clear. And I'm sure you've had this experience too, where it's clear that you know a couple comes to the show, and it's, and it's one clear of their ideas. one of their ideas, and the other person really doesn't like you. Yeah. And I remember similar situation being <laughs> playing a show in Boise, Idaho, and there was this <clears throat> couple in the front row. Show's going great. Uh, it was a seated theater, but everybody I asked everybody to stand up, and everybody did. You know, they're standing, they're enjoying the show. Kind of everybody's moving a little bit, as much as one can move at a death cap show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy is just sitting down, and he's just like throwing daggers at me. And I, I remember at the time, I remember being like, I couldn't not focus. This is I was maybe twenty eighth time. Could not not focus on this guy. I I couldn't see over this guy to the 2,000 people who were having a good time. I was just solely focused on like, why don't you like me? (laughs) And, and thankfully over the years I've grown, you know, I've, I've grown a bit and I've, I've been able to like get, get the perspective of like, you really just in general, like you really need to focus on the people who, who are in your corner, who like it. it. Because it's, especially when you're at a show, it's like, you know, people are having a good time. Like they, you know, uh, you know, they, you know, they probably, this isn't probably how people do it anymore, but it's like you go and you get the tickets, you tack them up on your, you put them on the fridge or you tack them on your board, whatever. And like, you know, you see the date, it's like November 15th and like it's get, it's getting closer and it's getting closer and you're getting excited. And like, what are we going to do before the show? We're going to go out afterwards. Like, right. And, you know, I, I, as I try, you know, to always remember that that's, that that's a thing that a, a lot of people do, right. and I've I'm not a saint. I've I have like lost my perspective before. I've had bad shows. I've been not able to feel it on those nights, and um, you know that when the, those 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 things do happen, it bums me out. Yeah. Um, and I I try because I'm a, I'm imperfect and I'm a human being. I tried to kind of like just be better the next time. Right. But I I I'm, I'm a first and foremost I'm a, a music fan, and you know I have done that. 
I still do that thing where it's like, right. oh man, I'm Billy Bragg's coming to town. I'm really excited. Yeah, I got my tickets. I'm going. Right. You know, you you you, you know, need to stay in you need touch to stay with in that. touch with that. Yeah. yeah, and and as a That's performer, their event exactly. And as a performer, make sure that you are realizing that as my friend uh, Travis from this. Uh, wonderful band called the Dismemberment Plan that um, is, is kind of still playing around these days uh, here and there. Um, you know, it's it's somebody's Friday night. Yeah. Even if it's a Sunday in, you know, Bloomington, it's 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 somebody's Friday night. Right. Somebody got these tickets, and like he said that to me, like you know, 16 years ago, and I still do my best to kind of remember that right. every time we do a show. It's somebody's Friday night. Yeah. Somebody's excited, and you'll know if you cancel a show <laughs> just how much it meant to people. <clears throat> Like yeah. if you look on Twitter or something, people are like, "I flew in from." Or oh whatever. no! I've, oh yeah. Well, I you know we we tend to not. Um, I I can't I I, th- I can count on one hand the amount of shows that we just we canceled. Yeah. Um, in twenty years of playing shows, but you know there are those unforeseen circumstances: right. illness, lose your voice, and uh, yeah, you hear it. It's like I and and there's nothing you can do. It's like look, I. I'm, I feel very bad that you flew in from fill in the blank, but right. like I literally can't do my job. I right. can't sing the songs that you came to hear. Right. Um, and you know I understand that anger and frustration, but it's also like, yeah, I don't. I mean, the real shit happens too. Right. You know? Right. 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 So we know that doing uh, touring and playing mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of shows can take away. Mark Duplass did this podcast and really kind of changed my life by giving us the term soul points. Mm. So like there are things that give to our soul and things that take from our soul. Take doesn't mean bad. It's just like when you do a show, you're giving. Mm-hmm. And then the traveling doesn't necessarily fill you back up is, is kind of part of the problem. Mm-hmm. It's like you're sleeping in one of those coffin things on a tour bus or whatever it mm-hmm. might be. What does fill you back up? What, what helps you remember the melody of I get to do this? Like I thought I was – I never thought I was going to get to do this. Do you know? <laughs> um, well, I mean, there are a lot of things, but I, for me, I always we, we always try to make sure that we're bringing out an opening act that we really love and really believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, so I, you know, I always I always try to go out and watch some of the opening bands. Yeah. Um, not only because if we brought out like a band like Chastity Belt, like I love that band, so I just want to see him play because I really like him. Right. But also, um, you know. Especially if we're touring with a band that's like they're you know younger, maybe they're in a van, they're just kind of getting, you know, their whatever will whatever their career will be. It's just kind of it's in the early stages of it. Yeah, you know, it remi- not only it reminds me of uh, kind of what it was like to be a band at that stage. Gives you that perspective. Uh, it gives a perspective, an interesting perspective though, because it is both familiar and um, and uh, and and unrelatable. So it's like you know. I'll, I'll, you know, if I'm talking to like an, a, a band that we're, that's opening for us and they're like young people, um, I, what they're doing is familiar, but I can't relate. I, I can't be like, yeah, I remember 15 years ago when uh, we were in a van and, uh, right. you know, it's like, it's, I sound like I, 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 they're having their own experience yeah. that's in this day, at this it's day shifted. and age. It's shit. Everything's You can't shifted. even tell them what to do anymore. Well, yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know what you guys need to do. I just mean like, like what you did doesn't apply to that. It doesn't apply, not right. so much. But it does. I will say that, like you know, go you know when I when I watch whatever band that we're like we're kind of playing with, um, it, it it not only kind of it, it's it gets me excited to play myself mm. because you know what they're doing is much more difficult than what we're about to do because they're going up in front of a crowd that the majority of the people don't know who they are and they're waiting to see us 
and for them to get up and be fearless and get up and just Mm. play their songs beautifully. And, you know, you can see the people in the crowd who do know them who are excited and then people who are, there are, of course, people who are indifferent, but then also people who you can see them kind of like the gears turning and like, wow, this is actually really good. And, and for me, and I, I, and so it's, I enjoy watching them for those reasons, but also because it reminds me like, well, we're going to go out there and everybody's here to see us play. Like nobody, with the exception of the guy in the front row whose girlfriend dragged him here. Right. It's, they're all right here. Daggers ready. Yeah. It's like all we need to do is just play our songs and people will be happy. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously there's more to it than that, but really at at the core, we just need to go out and play our songs and perform them well. And people, most people will go home saying that they had a good time. Right. And so it, it reminds me of not only it, it, it's a indicator of how far we've come and, um, just kind of, you know, how relatively easy our job is now in relation to what it's like when you're first starting out. It's way harder. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to be in. Our, it's so easy for us now. Like we tour in tour buses. We have people who load all of our shit and right. set it up. Like right. we could we could just wake up and go on stage. Like right. Right. we don't have to do anything else if right. we're not actively doing promo. Right. So and also easy. you're good. Like, I, I'd like to hope so. You know yeah. what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's also just like you're good. At, like I can just go on stage and do stand up, as opposed yeah. to like trying to find the part of me that knows how to do stand up. Like I don't have to find that frequency. I just have been doing it long enough that you go out and you just do stand up. You know what I mean? You don't have to be afraid all day. You don't have to convince people <laughs> that you're good at it. I know that's like that's you. The real they're thing. coming to see Pete Holmes. They're coming to see Death Cab. That's Katie. all you want. They yeah. You just want people showing up. To see you. It's the same answer. Yeah. The, the Watching your opener, having an appreciation for where they are. Even watching the MC, because when I bring an opener, that's the middle, and the mm-hmm. MC will be the local guy. And watching, or girl, and watching them is, is really helpful. Mm-hmm. I, went, I went to an open mic once to research crashing, and I, didn't, I had never done so good that night. I didn't go up to the open mic. Mm-hmm. I went up somewhere later, and you were just fueled by that, like, Remember when it was just for not even audience, other comedians? Yeah, it was so heavy. Speaking of heavy, do you? Do, I remember when I got divorced, Melanie said to me, "I was like, aren't I supposed to be like going through like this wonderful artistic period where I'm just sad, but in my tears I scrawl something down and it's genius?" <laughs> and he goes, "Pain gets in the way." Do you? Some of your songs are beautiful. What? What is it? It's um. Black Sun? Black Sun, yeah. I, I was so worried I was going to get it wrong. Black Sun, dev- beautiful, such a beautiful song. Is that written in a sad place or is that written looking back on a sad place? I always tend to need to get some perspective from any kind of high or low or any experience for that matter in my life to be able to write about it eloquently. Like, you know, it's, <clears throat> you know, as I'm sure, as I'm, well, as a someone who is divorced as well, it's really painful and really shitty, yeah, and yeah. you know it's it's in its own way a particular type of death. It is, you know. Yep. And it's I don't know. It, if you, I'm not into astrology, but someone mm-hmm. was like, divorces show up on your chart as deaths. They go either mm-hmm. someone died here or you got divorced, and you're like, mm-hmm. I got divorced. Who, who cares if that's real or not? That's just uh, something that came to mind. It, it is like a passing of a, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the death of an idea, you know. <laughs> it's the and it's the death of you know uh, you know a, a path. You know that you thought you'd be on, right? Um, yeah, and you know, you know, um, you know. I don't think my, you know, my divorce might have been a little more public, 
than some other people's divorces. Yeah, I didn't divorces. know you had a, a famous ex-wife. I, uh, I, I, that was news to me, and mm. I sure don't want. Well, it's probably good though. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? That it's not you know something people yeah, don't think no, of that I, guy. That, that's not what I. That, that uh, I, I had never heard Val. Uh, I don't want to be the person that was like mm-hmm. my wife, loved, but I love you guys. Val has loved you for a very long time, and that was never mentioned. I was surprised when I found that when I was doing a little bit of research. But um, that is that is a different factor, I suppose. You you said very nicely in a Billboard interview you were talking about. I don't care if people are putting a face to a song or guessing. They might be mm-hmm. right or they might be wrong. Who cares? I'm just going to be vulnerable. I'm just going to do what I. Yeah, do. I mean, I had uh, you know, I had a, a conversation. Uh, one of my really really good friends is um, songwriter Jenny Lewis. Um, we've been friends for a very long time, and mm. I remember you know when I was going through all that stuff, you know, kind of expressing some like. I don't know. I mean, how much of this do you want to <clears throat> put out there? How much do you? How much more vulnerable do you want to be? And she was like, "No, fuck that. You go all the way. Go all the way. You don't. <laughs> you don't like. Don't hold back. Don't hold back." I love and it. you know, I you know, and and you know, that was just kind of the right kind of push I needed at the time. But right. I, I will say this: like one of the nice things about going through a you know a relatively, I guess, public divorce is that everybody knows your divorce now. There's no like you don't run into somebody on the street right, and they're like, story. "Hey, Pete, how's it going, man? I got divorced." Whoa, Jesus! No, uh, I still have not you know. anymore because I did a TV show about my divorce and all this stuff has become my career, a big part of my career. I used to have people coming up to me. I had been divorced for five years. Uh-huh. How's your wife? I'm just and you just be like, "She's great, man. She's great." Yeah, and, and, yeah. So I mean, I have to say like, that was like, "Oh, this is like I guess there's a silver lining in this, right? Yeah. Like at least like." Like you'd see somebody that you know and be like, "Hey man, how you doing?" Right, and you're like, "I'm I'm getting through. I'll be fine." Like, good man, just call me if you need. But Rather than also, like, you guys are such a great couple. How is that wife of yours? Yeah. Like, we got divorced six months ago. You know, and it, this. But you also have the other side of that, I suppose, is that you have somebody that's in the public that is your ex-wife. You know what I'm saying? Sure, but yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, but it's it's one of those things where like you know we y- y- you kind of you know when. When you enter, I wouldn't say that um, I'm a like I walk through my daily life and nobody, not very few people bother you. bother me. Yeah, uh, or not even bothering. Not even bother. You but know you know, mean. stop me. I mean, it's like you know, it's and when people do, they're always nice. You know, it's one of the nice things about being a musician is like probably more people listen to our music than know what we totally. look like. So it's really great. You got that good fame. It's great. It's perfect. I wouldn't change anything about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I think when you enter into a relationship with someone who is in the public eye and you are somewhat in the public eye, you know, you're signing up for all the highs and lows, right? Like, right. you know. What is that? Do you know the band um, uh, Ochre Hill River? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, on, yeah. Uh, I think it's called Plus One. It always makes me think about, like, um, there's also a book, The Husband of the Woman Who Created Orange is the New Black kind of wrote a book about what it's like being the guy holding the the the, the bag of the famous person. <laughs> and that's kind of – I think that was Jason Siegel's experience a little bit. I, I forget why. But it's in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, oh, right. sure, of course, they kind yeah. of play into that element. Mm-hmm. I think it's because he dated the girl from Freaky Geeky and she was super famous. I see. And okay. he was um, not. So he would kind of experience that. Anyway, it just made me think that you have somebody that, that culturally was really – very very big moment and and you were music famous yeah and it's, they're very different very, very different, different types of uh i wouldn't even say i would i would never use the word famous in relation to myself unless <laughs> i'm talking to like my my wife my my Current. my my yeah. like my life wife <laughs> life wife uh uh you know and say like well i'm you know i'm super famous right like joking about <laughs> it like the word famous only gets used 
<laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that guy knows who's on the street. Well, I am very famous. She's so like, shut so the fuck fun. up. That's you know, so, so fun. So that's, but, but, but Zoe is famous. <laughs> She's very famous. famous. Yeah, oh, person. for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a famous person. For sure. Um, do you mind talking about it? I mean, I'll, I'll stop you what, if it's getting uncomfortable. I'm curious about like what goes sideways, I guess. Because I, I have to imagine at the beginning it was pretty exciting. Not because it's Zoe, mm-hmm. but because it's love. Because it's, oh, absolutely, yeah. artists and the totally. lifestyle, and she's a musician as well. Sure, she's a great musician. And yeah, um, yeah Val loves her as well. All over our hipster holiday. Um, but so you guys both love music, and the lifestyles merged, met, meshed well. I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at, at this point, it was a fairly. I wouldn't say it's super long time ago, but we're like coming up on like ten years ago yeah. at this point. Me too. Um, My divorce is ten years. So yeah, I understand. I, yeah, but um, but please, yeah, I mean, no, this isn't like a gossip. Oh no, no podcast. Of course, well, we're not of looking course. for I, some headline or clickbait. I, I just <laughs> I want to talk about conditions of the heart. Divorce is interesting to me. Sure. Yeah. You were married for how long? Uh, two years. Two years. Okay. And how long did you date? Uh, like a year and a half. So okay, so that's like that sounds like pretty crazy love, like good love, like. Exciting meaning. It was very yeah. I think I think you know I would never speak for her, but I think it was one of those things that it you know it was very very exciting, and we kind of really uh, we didn't do what I think everyone needs to do in a relationship was like you need to get boring mm. before you t- take it to the altar. That's what Bill Murray says is you should go on a like a trip around the world. Like with delayed flights and yeah, rental sure, cars sure. and all that stuff, he's like, then get married. Yeah, and I think I think that um, you know I think I, I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't call anything in relation to our uh, life together a mistake, of course. But I think if there was one thing uh, that would have been uh, good to do, would have been to get boring first, yeah, and then um, and then determine if you really. Are compatible, you know. I wonder how much did the excitement of your own lives taking off get mixed in? Sometimes Val and I mm-hmm. would call it the love transfer. You order a pizza and then you tell your wife how much you love her, but really part of that "I love you" belongs to the pizza. Does that make <laughs> sense? You're kind of like, oh man, I love you, and you're thinking about the pizza. Yeah, kind pizza of. in a thought bubble above your head. Yeah, so you're in a place <laughs> ten years ago. You've been a, a successful band for a while, but I mean, like, life is exciting, and and she mm-hmm. was really kind of getting swept into the into the ether 10 mm-hmm. years ago. So I have to imagine that lends itself to a certain feeling of invincibility. Well, I think I think it's not so much invincibility, but I think that, you know, a lot of people that I have met in the entertainment industry, certainly people who are um in in the public eye, whether it's actors, comics, musicians, I'll include myself in that too. Yeah, it's like super famous. Um yeah, very famous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh you know, I think we all we all um we all crave uh, something real and stable, and so much of what we do is unstable. Mm. So much of what so much of what my life is is traveling all over the place in hotels, you know, doing shows, uh, you know, it, you know, weird country, jet lag, right. bad show, good show, fight with bass player, whatever it is. Like, and you know, I, I think that. Um, I think that if, as I look back on that period of my life, I feel there might have been an attempt. Uh, certainly, I'm on my. I'm, I'll only speak for myself yeah. to want to like fast track, fast track the like. Let's we're both in this crazy world, our own crazy world. Yeah. Let's just let's just fast track uh, comfort 
and like stability. You're in the showbiz yeah, store. Let's, let's build let's, an igloo. Let's build. Yes. Yeah. Let's build it. And like, then, um, we'll, we'll just, we'll do it. And then, um, everything else will be swirling around us, our careers and everything else. But we will have this thing right. that is, um, and we can relate. And I think that early on, we very much bonded, um, the fact that we are both, you know, at least I'll say just myself in kind of a transitional period career wise, where you're like, you just put all this work into kind of where you are now, but you're not really sure what it is. Right. You were working towards it's a cold place. It's like a strange place. It's a strange place. It was an. It was. It was standing foreign, nowhere. It was foreign to me at the time. Yeah. Um. So you know, I I think that for me at least that uh, you know that made me feel like yeah we can we we bonded very quickly and I think that that might have uh, accelerated the courtship you know uh, when in actuality like most people who are going to like you, a lot of people who get married. They tend to have been like, we're just, you know, we've been together for a long time. We live together. And, right, right. you know, it's like, oh, it's like, you know, and you kind of get boring with somebody. And right. I remember saying um, to my now uh, wife, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think le- we have to get boring before we get married. I don't, I don't, right. you can't, it might, it's been my experience and the experience of some of my other friends who have just uh, gotten married fairly quickly yeah. that, um, you know, that's a huge, that's a huge step. And it can't be taken lightly. And I don't think that either of us took it lightly, but we just were um, – we were swept up in all of it. Totally. And um, – Val you know, and I just bought wind chimes just to agree right. with your <laughs> – you know what I mean? Around the time you're buying wind chimes. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. when you might want to be like, do you want to get married? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, you've really learned what it's like to be – You know, you have to go through particular highs and lows and you have to kind yeah. of – you can't you, – it's – you know, I just don't think it's, it's uh, logical or smart – uh, to ride that kind of like intensity to the altar, right? Um, well, I don't like infatuation. I've been infatuated, mm-hmm. and I tell this to Val all the time. It sounds kind of like a weird thing to tell your mm-hmm. wife, but I was like, I, we're, I'm obsessed and very deeply into Valerie, mm-hmm. but I'm not. In, I don't like infatuated. Meaning, it's not like I can't sleep, can't eat. Uh, like sweaty panic like the sloth guy in the movie seven just like (laughs) i'm fucked without you like i don't like that i Mm -hmm. let's stabilize it a little bit Mm -hmm. i'm all for passion and excitement but the times that i've been kind of out of my mind (laughs) oh yeah were weren't weren't great times for me like a lot of people get married after like a death or like some sort of shift or some sort of reminder of uncertainty and you're just Mm -hmm. like Let's so you it sounds to me like you had your career like show business is such a like it can be phony and it can be hollow and you kind of worry about losing yourself to it and then you find a, a like a partner an, an ally yeah and you go like mm-hmm. let's hold hands and run through the battlefield we have a better chance of holding on to ourselves was that kind of yeah some that's of it? that's a really good way of putting it and you know. Uh, you know, at the time we were we were very much in love, and it was it it wasn't uh, you know, and I think we both believed in it. But I think, you know, when life started to normalize and get complicated, it just was apparent that we hadn't done the work to right. sustain it. And you know, um, you know, it, and she's a she's a lovely, wonderful person, and I have nothing but you know fond memories of that time in my life. But it was yeah. also tied up into like I I'm from the Northwest. I've lived I lived there my entire life, and I made this you know move to live down here, a place that I enjoy visiting, but I do not like very much. Right. And uh, I got, can I just say, Ben, sorry. I'm just so excited. My wife, our whole marriage, I was like, we only have one problem. I'm a country, I'm, I'm a city mouse and she's a country mouse. And I was like, isn't that great? And I was like, 
uh, it's a pretty big problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, you're yeah. saying you're Northwest. I love the Northwest. And, and she – forget her. You didn't want to live in L.A. That's a that's a big thing. Yeah, I mean, I I made you know it, it wasn't like uh, I, I I shouldn't I shouldn't put it like so, it was something. This was a choice that was done to me. Right. I willingly and and totally. joyfully moved down here. Totally. But um, you know, I think, but I should just I think it's better to put it in uh, frame it that like when our marriage dissolved. There was not a single question that I was loading up my car and driving back to Seattle immediately. Uh, and I remember – That's me. I remember – really? When my wife left, she, I, I mean it was all but spoken that she was like, you can move back to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. She knew that that would be enough of a salve to take away the sting, some of the sting, and it did. Well, I, and I remember when I was – when I was, you know, like a premonition I had when I was moving my things down to Los Angeles, down I-5. And I remember this thought of like, I'm going to see this highway again. Like I had this mm. weird – it was just a passing passing kind of moment of like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be going the other direction, aren't I, right. at some point. One of those thoughts that we see and then we let go immediately. Yeah, and you're like, of not, course, that, I, that's just insecurity. Right. You're not ready for it. I'm not ready for it. But I, and you know, in, in, even amongst all of the like um, – you know, the like you know, tidal wave of, of you know, sadness and – uh, you know, uh, you know all those feelings that come with a divorce mm. and you know failure and all that kind of yeah, stuff. The, the failure, it's lyric like, about failure. But what do you say? There's there's something in a failure. There's wisdom. There's beauty in a failure. Beauty in a failure. And and you know I. But even as I was you know, you know as I'm like, as I came over, I came over the grapevine and dropped back down to the valley. And was heading north on I five. Bakersfield. With, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you know, I, 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 you know, it, there was something comforting about knowing that the, 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 the like items in my life that were of the most value to me could be put in the back of like my Prius, yeah, and be, and that I was, I was heading home. You know, mm-hmm. I was heading home. Like I was, and that to me was like such a comfort to know that mm-hmm. like, you know, I have wonderful friends down here. I, I'm, I, I love coming down here to hang out. Like it's, you know, I. It's this is a this is a really great place. You meet a lot of amazing people, but this is not my home. Right, and I I just was so relieved. Right, to be to be not not stuck here. But talk about beauty and a failure. Reducing a life to some boxes and a Prius. There's there's it's almost zen. There's something yeah, where you go totally. There I am. Here I am. Yeah. There was all this other stuff. Turns out I didn't need those blah 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 these blah blah blah. I just need this stuff. And there's Ben, mm-hmm. and Ben's on the move. <laughs> yeah, and, I've, and I've, I've made an effort to never live an ostentatious kind of life. But yeah. you know, you know, you're living in this nice house and there's nice things around, and but you realize that everything of true value to you can be put in the back of this car. Isn't that funny? It's wonderful, and you know that you know that that was an amazing experience. And then when I got back to Seattle. Um, I remember going to a, like a party at a friend's house and um, it was one of those moments where I kind of knew I was home. You know, you go to a party here in Los Angeles and you meet a lot of, you know, really interesting people doing cool shit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, social engagements are also opportunities for people to kind of network and figure out, you know, uh, not, not like everybody's There's a trying. lot of looking over your shoulder. That's exactly – yes. They're and, looking over your yes, shoulder. Yes, that's, that's what I was getting at. And, <laughs> and it, I could ti- – Is John point, Hamm here? I could, I could, I could practically <laughs> time it. I, I, there, was like a, there was a moment where you could like 30 seconds in, if there wasn't some kind of 
deep connection happening professionally, yeah. personally, otherwise. You could just start seeing the uh-huh, uh-huh, and you'd yeah. see the eyes drift over your head. And I remember being at this party, talking to a stranger, and like we're not really kind of connecting as we're kind of trying to make conversation. And I, I'd, I'd become so programmed to see the eyes start going around, and then it didn't happen. They, mm. they were just looking right at me, and I was like, Oh, this is in Seattle. This is in yes. Seattle, ah. and I'm like, and I'm like, oh yeah, now I'm back. I'm back. This is this I'm is home. I'm home. This is how this is how we are here, you know. And that that was a, a, a secondary comfort that was like, yeah, this is where I belong. Uh, you know, like I said, this is Los Angeles is a wonderful city, amazing people doing amazing. Oh, you're things. so sweet. Let's shit on LA. Come on, <laughs> fuck this place. I've, I've done enough of that. I feel like I'm <laughs> I totally hear that. Now, when I got divorced, people always assumed it was because I toured around. And which I think is hilarious because I wasn't a touring comedian yet. I was an open micer. Um, do people – so forgive me. I'm, I'm basically disguising my question. Was mm-hmm. it the problem of two artists? Because the, the when you have two things trying to hit a very rarefied target, does that kind of – it's one of the things we explore in the second season of Crashing, mm-hmm. to be honest. When you have two comedians dating one another uh, and, and obviously uh, Zoe's a – musician and an actress and you're a musician so it's not exactly the same but you're you're the same breed and you have this like unseen third thing the thing that goes in the cardboard boxes mm-hmm. the thing that you're alone with with your friend's Tascam or whatever it was that you recorded <laughs> on that's fed you and got you uh at the party with the girls and and you know brought you into knowing yourself so mm-hmm. the special thing and so you both love that and each other do people assume that that was part of the problem? Was that there's this drive that, that show business gets in the way, or or the artistic temperament gets in the way? Um, I I don't think so. I mean, you know, it would be very easy to scapegoat, yeah. Uh, you know the the work as like th- this was the thing, mm. and at the time I did when we were going through uh, you know all of the ugly stuff like. You know, I, I definitely didn't want to admit to myself that uh, this might not have been the best idea, mm. you know, like that maybe we kind of got too excited and kind of like forced all this mm-hmm. a, little, a little quickly. Um, so <clears throat> it would have been – it's not it, – I don't think it's – I don't think it's that. I mean that um, – certainly people struggle with that and I think – and honestly, I don't, I don't think we were together long enough – for that to have been a real concern, interesting. You know, yeah. it's it's you know if 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 you're three and a half years. It's yeah, funny I mean that if, we're even talking about it. I, <laughs> I mean, it's it's like you know the kind of thing where it's like if you were you know if if you were in a relationship with somebody who is also a musician or a comic or whatever, you know, for twenty years, right? And you know, you the ebbs and flows of people's careers. Maybe one person kind of takes off, right? Uh, as, as soon as the other person's career is starting to, to nosedive a bit. And, you know, the animosity that I could see potentially coming out of that situation. There's right. a lot of ways that could go wrong. But, you know, you know, to put it bluntly, I don't think we were together long enough for that to be a I hear concern. You. I know? totally hear you. You didn't even have to – you didn't get to the nuance level. Yeah. <laughs> the nuance we, of like, wow, what are we going to do? I <laughs> exactly. Guess you're yeah. going to have to take it on the chin because we both want to be in Stockholm for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. So – and, you know, it was – like I said, it was a – it was, you know, um, I look back on that time fondly um, – you know, she's a wonderful person. You know, it just it's one of those things that just ran its course, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the new uh, the new one. <laughs> That's so terrible. I have a new one, too. Uh, how, what, is, what does she do? 
Uh, she's a photographer, and she for years. Dare uh, I say that's perfect? Like writer, yeah. photographer. These are the these are the troubadour lives. Lives. You want somebody that might be able to blend. I, I don't know. Well, even even more than that, she toured with bands and mm. and did and and uh, and she was she's worked in the music industry for a very long time. So, uh, you know that that was very uh, outside of the many many reasons that we are so good together. One of the biggest ones is that she totally understands the world I'm living in, and <clears throat> you know every musician sure. You know, is it, am I? Is it okay to say comic or comedian? Am I? Am I saying one? Would you I prefer, prefer com- comedian? Comedian, but, but comic is is acceptable. It's <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure I'm not like comic to me. Just sounds harsher. It's the, the, okay. I don't need two C's in a word. I understand. <laughs> I say there's a little, a little, a lot of C's in there. I, I a lot of the tougher guys call themselves comics. Gotcha. Com- okay. I go up because I'm a comic. I'm like I'm a comedian. <laughs> I spread easy on a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I mean I'm sure I'm sure you have been in relationships as have I where you know one person is at you know, the other the other person is at home and you're off doing your job and there's this uh false sense that what you're doing out there is a nonstop crazy party right. you're meeting women it's insane yes. and like you're just it's all just crazy. At and, this club I had a girlfriend who's kind of nutty uh, accuse me of getting a blowjob in the bathroom here. This is the nerdiest place ever, <laughs> and I am not blowjob in the bathroom guy. I've never been, never will be. Like, what do you think my life is? Right? Yeah, sure. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. How would that even work? Just look at us. Do we look, look like blow? Me. Do we look like blowjob in the I'm bathroom? I'm not blowjob guy? in the bathroom guy. <laughs> I get the garage door closed on me because my band's too loud. Yeah. I'm you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I think that 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 has been you know for a lot of a lot of people I know who you know comedians. Musicians, this uh, that translating what the world that we live in outside of our homes can be very difficult because a lot of people get the impression that right. uh, what that you know it's this nonstop. But in- she's been to the puppet show; she's seen the strings. Exactly. Yes, and it's like she's been backstage with like eight middle-aged men on their laptops. Yeah, you know, like buying you know microphones for their home studios. It's not. You know, it's there's there's a lot of waiting, right. a lot of hotels. It's you know, I mean, fun stuff happens. Of course, you get right. you know, going to fun and interesting places and doing things that you wouldn't be able to do at home um, is awesome. But those moments tend to be, at least at this point, few and far between. And it's really, you know, you're out there to do a job. You're you right. know, and you're and I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, <clears throat> um, you know, we do our we well, I know you do your work at the end of the day, but it's like. You know, we have you have to be on at the end of everybody else's day. No. So it's like, you know, I'll ha- I'll come to town and some friend will be like, "Hey, man, let's go get dinner and then let's go to this place maybe before right. the show." I'm like, <clears throat> "Look, man, um, you know, I I know this sounds like the lamest thing ever, but I we just sound checked. I ate some food. And I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a half hour nap because I have to play for like two hours. Right. And I just you know I I don't want to be out in not like I want to. I don't. It's not like I don't want to be out in a restaurant because I'm worried people are gonna recognize me. I just can't i'm saving this energy yes. for this performance and i i i don't i i need to kind of have this be this quiet I just time told val one of my favorite <clears throat> memories of us i forget what city we were in because it doesn't matter because it looked like a hotel but it was nice we just stayed in and i think like the hobbit was on tv and i was like is this okay this is what i'd be doing if you weren't here is like maybe room service a lot of hotels don't have room service so you like make a run get some mm-hmm. a fruit plate or some hummus <laughs> or something go in the hotel and just fucking store it up because you need it 
It's like totally, and you get mm-hmm. these kind of lonely feelings that people don't understand. Where you're like, like this podcast, for example. I wouldn't book a photo shoot before this podcast. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's giving, and you're tired, and I get here, and I'm like, Argh. so I almost always do it in the morning, which is why I was pushing you towards early. But this worked out because it's all I was doing today. It's mm-hmm. fine. Um, so you start going like, how many people listen to the podcast? It's like a lonely – I don't have these thoughts often, but I'm like, mm. let's say a million people will hear this. That's, that might be generous, but it's like a million people will hear this. I need to I need to honor that. Like mm. I can't go to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> like I need to – that urgency that you have when you haven't seen somebody all day and then you sit down and you talk to them, I need that. What, let's mm-hmm. call that X and Pete needs X. And when Pete goes to dinner, he uses some of X. And as we get older and better at being performers – yeah, maybe you can go to dinner, but if you're re- you have to do it for two hours, you got to save. If I'm doing that show we did with with Justin, yeah, I'll go to dinner. Yeah, totally, not a big deal. Seven Playing three who songs, cares? who cares? Yeah, who cares? Uh, <laughs> we're doing Prairie Home Companion, and I was like, they're like it's seven minutes of stand up, and I was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Not that I'm definitely going to do great, but I'm like, I won't have to worry about that. Like that's fine. Yeah, sure. But a big a headlining show, that's when you want to watch The Hobbit. That's when you want to be on the bed. And then, like, take a long ass shower. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when I was when we were first kind of starting, uh, you know, doing touring stuff, and we had and we had not gone to Europe yet. And I would talk to a couple of bands I knew that um, were going there. I was like, oh man, it must be amazing, right? You just go to Europe, you're in Paris, you just walk around and see stuff. And they're like, you know what, man? We just kind of get there, and it's like it's a it's like playing a club in the states, but there's just a language barrier right. and. It's this. The job is the same. I have to get up and and do my job. And I, right. you know, I have you know I have been in Paris and been dragged around the streets by someone who, they're they're on tour with us like a, a partner at the time, and they want to go around and see everything. And so now I'm doing that too. And then the show suffers later because yeah. I spent the whole day walking around the city when what I should have been doing is just like preparing myself yeah. for the show. And right. because that's. And and there are moments where it's like, man, I really – and it's the worst when you're sick because if you're – like you wake up in the morning, you're going to like a nine-to-five job. You're like, oh, take some Sudafed. You're like, I got to get through eight hours. Maybe I'll go home a little early, do what I need to do and get home. But if you're sick all day and you have to perform at nine, yeah. it's like – it's the whole day is just an anxiety. Is, like is dread and anxiety. But so for – you know, Rachel, my wife's name is Rachel. I mean she – you know, I love her for so many reasons, but you know, it, it's very helpful early on that she understood. Like, she would come out on tour with us, and like, she would know, like, yeah, you know, I mean, I know we can probably go get some lunch somewhere, and maybe we'll just go for a walk. Right, but right. you know, after sound check, I know you're just gonna you're gonna want to like watch the Mariners lose, and this then so you know, bad. and then just like take a nap and eat some food, and then after the show, maybe we'll just like, you know, yeah, I don't drink, but she'll have maybe like a glass of wine backstage. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and 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 we know like on a day off, we'll do we'll do some fun stuff on a day off. We're in right. a cool town on a day off. Let's do something. Right. You know, um and 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 so but if sometimes it's like, look, I just need a hotel day. It's like totally get it, you know. Yeah. And she'll be like but also she'll be like, Yeah, I'm gonna go out and uh, check out this town. I'm like, cool, go for it. Right. And there's no like yeah, I, I was out all day, it'd be really nice, it'd be nice to have you there. She right. just she just gets it. Like Right. This oh, yeah. is the Louvre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Heard of it? <laughs> no, that makes me I, – I got so warm for you. I'm so happy for you because that's what – like Val came with me to the comedy store. So this is just a local show. Mm-hmm. And she even knows. I got – I was like, Val, my spot's at 9.09. And the show starts at 8.30. We got there at like 8.30. And I was like – she even just understands what I'm about to say to you where I was like – it was kind of perfect. We got there. I was on early. Harlan Williams was in the green room. 
We talked with Harlan. We had a nice chat with him. We watched his set. Watched one guy's 15-minute set. I went up, did my set, went really well, and then we got the fuck out of there. She knows that, like, jailbreak, bank-robbing, fun (laughs) feeling of swooping into a club, getting just enough social stimulation, saying a hello, doing your spot – she even knows, like, you tried that new bit and it works, so she knows I'm getting these different uh, yeah. rushes. And then I'm done by 9.30, which I need to be because I need to start coming down. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not that I have an early morning or something. It's like doing a drug. And I'm like, I need that time. I still had to take some valerian root because I'm just too jazzed sure, to go yeah. to bed. I don't know when that started happening. I never used to care. But now I'm like, I got to go on before 9. Well, I had, I had that uh, experience when we up. did that show together a couple weeks ago where it was like, you know, you know, to their, you know, to Justin and, and Lauren's credit, like they had it all dialed in. You know, yeah. even though I was, cons- I don't think I ever got to explain that part. Yeah, the fact that I was like, oh boy, there's a lot of people on the show. They but they, did. They nailed it. They Everything ran it was like very well. They ran a tight ship, and I was like, you're on it. Whatever it was, ten fifteen, great. Showed up. Uh, got you know, we hung out a bit. Got to see Nick Kroll, a couple people. Yeah. You know, Chris Hardwick's people. I yeah. kind of know a little bit. And uh, catch up. How you doing? Blah blah blah. And I was like, all right, uh, you go up, you kill. And then it's like, I'm gonna go up, play three songs, and then we are gone. Yeah, like, and it's, fuck it's out of here. and it's like, and and with no disrespect to Lauren or you know any yeah, people played afterwards. I like I churches. Like, yeah, I listen to churches. <laughs> and, like, or some of the comics that went up. You know, like you know, I watched a little bit of uh, Ben Sh- Ben Schwartz and, ben Schwartz and, and, uh, and Thomas. And Thomas, yeah. yeah. I stayed a little bit. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I just watched a little bit, but then I was like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I got I got to be in the studio tomorrow but morning. That's what you're saying with Rachel. Is there's this understanding? Don't you want to watch? Don't you want to watch the well, rest we're here. of the show? We're here. We're here. Well, let's just stay. You don't understand. Like, I'm skiing. Mm-hmm. I'm some – like, my soul is elsewhere. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we need to go home. Like, I want I want a cup of tea or something. Mm-hmm. I, the coming down from the show is interesting to me. Why did you – I'm interested. And again, if mm-hmm. it's a touchy thing, uh, I recently stopped drinking. It's mm-hmm. been a couple months now. Mm-hmm. And I'm really loving it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious because my come down thing would be like, Get get drunk, yeah. Not sexy drunk, not exciting drunk, not like Pete's out there going like, <laughs> there was nothing like that. It was just kind of like, and now I will take this downer to help me come down, yeah. Um, and that became very normal. And now I'm really grateful that I can just like not do that. What what was your relationship with the the drink? Yeah, well, I'm I'm coming up on like ten years in February, uh, and I'm not a. Yeah, no, no. In the program? Uh, no, I oh, just. I'm sorry, you're not supposed to ask that. Oh, that's okay. That's fine. I don't care. No, I um, I just uh, well, I was, you know, I I'm totally willing to talk about this. Yeah. It's not a weird thing. Okay, at all. good. Um, you know, I don't. Uh, I just. Uh, you know, I. Ten my, years. Yeah, it's great. I just never. Awesome. Yeah, I I I, uh, I real. You know, I think when we first started, you know, when I was in college and the band was kind of first going and stuff, you know. Drinking was a celebratory, fun thing that you would do because you didn't get to do it that often. So if you're like, oh, we're playing a show once every month or month and a half, oh, let's drink some beers afterwards. And right. and then you're on tour. It's like, well, it's a break from our real life. So like we're out at a bar, crazy. We're just out having experiences. Right. <clears throat> and, you know, that continued to snowball over the course of the next, you know, 10 years to the point where it was like – um yeah, there's just I'm just going to drink this almost in this entire bottle of tequila after a show, not because I particularly want to, but because I'm so bored. And like this is that basically this is just like you know um, I'm just in. You know, there's no reason not to. Yeah, and then and then exactly <laughs> that was you know, the, that was the turning point. Yeah, for me. and and I, I can I can I I almost feel like I can I know the point in which it went from being something that was fun to like I'm doing this to truly cope. And I remember being on a European tour in uh, February 2004. Which 
in a van, like a van tour, and it was just cold, dark, uh, scary Czechoslovakian driver going 90 miles an hour <laughs> on every highway. Uh, you know, snow, ice. It's dark at 4 p.m. You know, just it was a, a six-week European tour. It was just brutal, mm. and um, and I that's when I realized that's when I, I feel like I can pinpoint that's when I really started drinking just to cope with it all, like mm-hmm. just like fuck it. I just want to like, oh yeah, let's bring a why not bring a bottle of Jack on stage with us? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not like Motley Crue up there, but it's like yeah, whatever. It's like we're in Malmo, Sweden. It had the it's, you know it's three hours of daylight. Like right. the fuck not. You know, right. there's forty people at the show. Let's yeah. just like make it try to make it more fun. Right. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, I got to a point after uh, we were touring, our, fir- our first major label record was this record called Plans, and it came out in 2005. And it was like that ascent, um, you know, that was our first record that sold like a million copies. And it was like a big, everything that we signed up to do, it worked. Like, you know, we were, we had a big breakout indie record in Transatlanticism, and then it was like, we should sign to a major, and we did. And then it worked. Mm. Like, you know, there was no, like, everything, we, through that point, everything we did worked. But we were working so much harder. We are doing so much more press, so many more shows, so many more tours. <laughs> and I remember, uh, and after that touring cycle ended in December 2006, I, I continued to drink pretty heavily. Like, I didn't get off tour. You know, I was at home, but I was still on tour. And then, it, you know, it came around to, like, February 2008, and I remember I went down to uh, Big Sur with my friend uh, Daniel Handler, who writes on the name Lemony Snicket. He also writes his own uh, oh, yeah. books. Wonderful guy, uh, really great friend, and we he helped me write this, pay, this uh, piece I was doing for Pace Magazine at the time. And, you know, we were just bombed the whole weekend. And then I remember being on the plane coming home to Seattle – and being like, wow, man, this has really gotten out of control. You know, I really need to, really need to like curb this. You know, but you know, tonight's my friend's Chris's birthday, and I should just go and have a beer. Just go have a beer. Like, it starts tonight. For Chris. It starts tonight. <laughs> it starts tonight with just a beer. Yeah. Like, and this is this is where I was going to just you know show myself that I had some restraint. Like, I'm gonna go have a beer, see my friends, then I'm gonna drink some water, then I'm gonna go home, and then cut to like it's four in the morning <laughs> it's been beers and shots for five hours yes. and i woke up the next morning and i said i'm done that's it like i i i told myself that this was the end i told myself hey you need to get this under control i may i, I spent the entire flight like psyching myself up to have one beer yeah and i couldn't fucking do it right i couldn't do just one beer right, right. and that was the moment of like this has to stop because I, as a, being a fairly prideful person, I didn't want somebody, I didn't want to walk into a room with like all of my bandmates and best friends and my family, like, hey, we're going to go out dinner at Steve's. And then I walk in, they're all there going like, you have a real problem. And I also didn't want right. to end up going, we were, you just finished a record that was coming out that spring. And I just had this feeling like, if I don't stop this now, it's going to be worse than it was before. Mm-hmm. And like, something bad is going to happen. Like, either, you know, something, you know, I wouldn't call it, say humiliating, but something like a room full of people being like, you have a real problem mm-hmm. or like, yeah, did you see what Gibber did on the Internet? Oh, man, it was crazy. You know, right, right, like, right. yeah, it's like something really, you know, really embarrassing and, uh, um, you know, career threatening or like em- embarrassing and shameful. And 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 for me, like, you know, everybody that I knew that I would was always like, oh, I didn't know you had a problem. I didn't know you had a problem. Right. And it's like, well, because I prided myself on being the kind of drinker that would be like. 
well, uh, Pete, it was nice to see you tonight. I'm going to go home. And I'd turn around and I'd be like, like I, you know, just like I'd be out of my mind. <laughs> but I was holding it together just enough. Like the, I'm holding Have a it pleasant to- tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was my style of drinking. Like, well, guys, I think I should probably, or I'd Irish exit out of some place. And I don't remember how I got home. Right. right so, right. you know, I, I think like whenever, and, you know, two final points on it. One, being a musician, as I'm sure being a comedian, you can always find somebody with the worst problem, right? Mm-hmm. There's always somebody with the worst problem. So you can always go like, well, look, I got a real drinking problem, but at least I'm not that guy. Yeah. That guy's worse. So until I become that guy, can I keep drinking? We have a lot of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then secondly, um, <clears throat> you, know, I just, uh, you, know, you know, I just realized like this is – that's it. That's it. I, 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 what are the mantras that you, that you hold on to? Because, I mean, it's been 10 years. <clears throat> And I hear I don't want an intervention and I don't want to embarrass mm-hmm. myself. But those are ideas. Those are hard mm-hmm. concepts to bring down into the heart. And that's where the change happens. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it just holding on to – I heard you use the word control. That was a big one for me was I was mm-hmm. like I don't think I – it's not so much that I don't have control. It's that I want control. I like having agency. Mm-hmm. That's important to me. And, and it's similar to you, I realized I was just kind of like – I said this on the podcast years before I stopped. I was like, if I drink today, I'm going to drink tomorrow. It was just like a, a thing yeah. that I felt like had the hook in me. Not a sexy hook. Like to your point, there's always a guy way, way worse. Way worse. Way, yeah. way, way worse. But what other jobs? I mean like really, what other jobs than your job and my job yeah. do you show up to work and somebody's like, uh, here's that uh, bottle of Jack you needed and nice. a bottle of vodka and here's a 12-pack of beer. You got everything you need? Like yeah, 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 there's yeah. no other job that they I like know. they give you alcohol I at know. work. I know. Like, that's that's I mean, it's crazy. It's but crazy. That, that's why that's why I really latched onto the idea of there was never a reason not to. That's why because yeah. you made me remember I was on the road with Chris Thayer and we were gonna take LSD and I was too scared. And then I just went back to my room and I drank an entire bottle of scotch. Just alone. There's no I'm a I'm a big I'm not Andre the Giant, but I'm a big fucker. There was no there's no hangover story. Mm-hmm. I just drank a lot, a lot of booze and I, I was that wasn't even my bottom. My bottom was when I bottom. I poured myself a drink without even thinking, like the most thoughtless thing I had ever done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "All right, fuck this shit." Just kind of like mm-hmm. a fuck this shit moment, similar to you. You were like, "I tried to have one, couldn't do it. Nothing crazy. You didn't you didn't scare yourself in a car or almost hurt somebody." No, no, and you know, and I think that like some of my um, some of my friends who have gone through treatment, you know, once, twice, three times. Um, you know, will kind of like, uh, like almost like trying to compliment me by telling me like, yeah, you I mean you just quit, mm. and it's like, well, I mean, it was just, I mean, it was just, I just knew it was time, and also like I'm a really, you know, I'm a I'm a fairly, well, I am a very disciplined person, like, mm. um, you know, and I just kind of had this moment of knowing like this is this is it, that's it. Can I relate like, to you? Because I applied my discipline to drinking. <laughs> I was like, if we're doing this. And I think that's a type. If we're doing this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Real. Did you did you feel like but wait, as you were kind of heading to, if you were as you were heading towards the wall of like I got to stop drinking. Did you know it was coming cuz I did. I knew I knew I was almost like I was speeding up at the end like oh, I know this is happening. I know I'm going to have to stop. Sneak a few in. Yeah, I kind of felt like I knew in this in the months leading up to like the final like that's it. I think once you could track it on this podcast. Once I started saying and it was probably 6 months ago. If I drink today, I'm going to drink tomorrow. That was like a big epiphany for me. And then I read this book called uh, This Naked Mind, Control Alcohol. 
I read, I listened to it, and it was just ta- it, it made that exact point. It was like there, it wasn't that there was always a reason to drink; it was that there was never a reason not to. And I was yeah. like, this isn't what I was told, which is that you have to have some big problem, big. You are a monster. Everyone hates mm-hmm. you. It doesn't have to be that. It can just be an acknowledgement that something has control over you. Sure, something yeah. a very very addictive substance. And by the way, Val drinks. My friend, yeah, my wife drink. drinks. I does, doesn't I, bother me at all. I'm yeah. not like a. I'm not like a. Aunt I, I enjoyed it for so long, so I'm not please anybody listening. I, I, I'm just saying this for the people that are kind of like, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be like, there's a highly addictive substance. I'm highly addicted to it. I don't want to be addicted to something. I don't want to be something's, I don't want to say bitch, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and also I come from, you know, the alcoholism runs in my family. So it's surrounded. like, so it's like, it's not like, it wasn't like, a, well, this is coming out of left field. Yes. It's like, no, it's like my grandfather drank himself to death. I was firsthand saw like, yes. you know, the, you know, the slow decay of, you know, a once kind of, you know, powerful, strong person. Right. Just be decimated. Even having, I, it, it's, it's like, yeah, the, we have to be able to kind of have some perspective and kind right. of like, you know, with these kind of things. But it's like, yeah, I was, I remember being a kid and it was like, why is grandpa in a bed? Oh, because his liver stopped working. Right, right, right. And he's still drinking, right. you know, wow. and it's like, you know, this is the power of this substance over people. So it's like, that's in my bloodline. Like, you know, and that was also part of it too. It was like, you know what? Um, and so, yeah, I, I stopped and, you know, you had a couple of those moments where you're like, I think one of the things I, if anybody is, not everybody needs to quit drinking, right? Uh, But I think, I think the one thing I would like to impart on anybody who is considering uh, stopping drinking is when I was drinking and I was, I had quit, um, I was very concerned that people would see me not drinking or like having like a non-alcoholic beer or like a soda water and be like, hey man, why the fuck aren't you drinking? Mm. That, that people cared whether or not I was drinking or not. Right. Nobody fucking cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. Like your friends aren't going to care. You're like, you know, nobody, nobody around you. I know I sound like somebody's mom right now, but it's like really like if they're your friends, you know, yeah, like yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody cares. I was thinking nobody fucking thing. cares. There's yeah. like no one's going to be like you're a fucking pussy because you're not drinking anymore. It's like right. nobody cares. And why are you hanging out with that guy? Well, anyway? Exactly. That guy's, that guy's a fucking asshole. Chad has the drums. Get away from. Step yeah. away from the Chad. <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah, you, you, yeah. If you choose to like uh, look for validation from assholes, yeah, then by all means, like be concerned <laughs> with that guy's opinion. But yeah, I mean, I have a friend who just uh, who just got out of rehab, and he was kind of expressing a similar like, yeah, it's just weird, and I want to go out, but you know, I, I don't know. Do I get a thing that looks like a drink? So I look like I'm doing it. It's yeah. like, dude, just you're there. You're at a bar to hang out with your friends and talk about bullshit. Right. Like they're not like they don't care. That's a fun. They thing don't care. Too. The first time though, I, I came back from a thing and was like, I had fun. Like I didn't believe it. I was like, I did have fun. And you know what else is funny is I'm like, oh, shit, it's just my personality. I used to be like, sorry, I'm drunk. But I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> it's me. I am loud. <laughs> I'm like, ah, are you pregnant? No. Stone cold sober. <laughs> just a momo. Um, well, that's wonderful. What was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say we've, we've talked for two hours. Do you still have a little time to I talk about time, the yeah. meaning of life? Yeah, for sure. That's, yeah, we can, I think we're on, we're on a good roll here. We can probably we're solve it. <laughs> we can. You were raised uh, Roman Catholic? Yeah. Is there another type of Catholic? Yeah, regular Catholic. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. There, well, the Roman Catholic Church is the first Catholic Church, right? I yeah. Don't, I, I don't know anything. I mean, I'm I'm really not even trying to do like like 
I'm not, I really don't know. Is there another type? Yeah, of, yeah, is yeah, there yeah, a yeah. There are different types of Catholics. Yeah, for okay, sure. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's different. I was given the impression that we were the only Catholics. I think all the Catholics like being like, we're the only Catholics. Because <laughs> I think Catholic just means original. Like, that's why, like, when you do, like, the... I forget which creed it is. You say, I believe in the Catholic Church. You just mean the original Church of Christ. Yeah, which is kind of like a... I mean, it's kind of a weird... Th- I mean, I'm assuming you were brought up Catholic. If Protestant. You Protestant, okay. Yeah. But it is kind of like as you get some distance from any church service, mm. you start to realize like just really how manipulative and weird some of that stuff is, right? I mean, the well, idea it's a power that, play. The idea that like <laughs> you know we'd go in there, you know, Catholic mass for those who don't know, it's the same everywhere. It's the same series of you do this, you do that. There's a reading, then you stand, you kneel, um, and there's a lot of uh, people find a lot of comfort in that. That like they can go to a church anywhere, a Catholic church anywhere in the right. world, and get basically the same it's experience. Like Olive Garden. It's like Olive Garden of religions, yeah. <laughs> um, but like after after you know you read some stuff from the uh, Bible, and then the the uh, priest talks about some stuff, and then everybody is like, um, okay, let's all stand up and recite exactly what we all believe together, right. like a very concise right. uh, uh, cliff note version of what we all believe. And, right. Only a- and you know when I was a kid, you just go and do it, and you're like, we believe in one God, the Holy Father. I mean, I could yeah. recite the whole thing now. Right. Only now, as an adult who is you know uh, not a practicing Catholic, do you realize like oh, that's kind of a pretty manipulative thing to do, right? I mean, yeah. that's kind of a really like interesting, uh, interesting thing to, to put into a service where you're just like, right. let's just all let's do the checklist of everything we believe here. Let's make sure we got it all. We're all on the same page here, and we'll right. we'll all say it together. So I. My college sure. had a, a statement of faith that you had to sign. Really? Yeah. Oh, it I, was a Christian college. Okay. So, are you are, are you are a uh, a a, a uh, currently a, today? Are you a yeah? yeah. <laughs> are you are you are you a practicing uh, uh, Christian or are you? Or are you no, are you, I'm Christ leaning. That, that was right. the story that I was raised with, so I enjoy reclaiming it in new ways. Mm. But they're very. Pendulette did this podcast yesterday, and we we agree on a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I. We just have different vocabulary, I think, for a, mm-hmm. a lot of things about like mystery and and uh, unknowable things and mm-hmm. and getting out of the way of our egos and stuff. And um, so I, I have a lot in common with those, but I also have a lot in common with people of faith, like Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan. That's another mm-hmm. type of Catholic. Is is my jam, and I think he would be your jam. I think it would be anybody's jam. I just at a certain point in your life. So I'm open to that stuff. I like. I would go to a. a a Catholic mass or like a Quaker meeting, like mm-hmm. a silent meeting or a Zen meditation, all mm-hmm. these different things, mm-hmm. kind of eclectic in that way. But where, where, where are you? You were raised that way. And do you have children? I don't, no. Or do you want it? Uh, with me? With you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, being, my wife and I are fairly newly married. I think it's kind of something we're kind of like, uh, we're kind of in the process of figuring it out. Yeah. Um, I would. I could see a life for myself where I had children. I could see a life where I I don't. Like right. I really like what my life and our life is together. I cut forward to your child. <laughs> yeah, just like, the cry futuristic yeah. earphones. <laughs> just like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> just like watching it in some kind of weird, like, of course, virtual reality He's kind of like glasses, a yeah. milky liquid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like many people, I can I can see I can see totally. my life. I, I feel I feel I don't feel a void in my. Li- I'm 41. I don't feel a void in my life. Right. Not having children. Uh, you know, my wife and I are very big on um, the concept of a chosen family. Like that, we will we will like we will go to bat for you know people who are not blood related to us. Like we we consider people 
we have a chosen family that we have mm. uh, we have created around us, and uh. that those people are while not blood related, we would do anything for. Right, and we we value that. We very much value that. I think that's um, so funny. I, I, there's a lot of movies where they're like, like Goodwill Hunting is a movie, and I don't want to say I'm talking about my dad specifically. But I, I've always had this feeling where there are movies where Mini Driver goes like, I would give anything to have one more day with my dad. And I was like, huh? <laughs> <Not>. <laughs> and again, I'm not talking about my dad yeah. per se. I'm just saying I relate hard to what you're saying, mm-hmm. going there are people that I feel that way about, but they might not be blood related to me. Yeah, for sure. And I've always been a little confused by people that are like, my mom's my best friend. No, like, that that is you're 42. That's very weird. I, <laughs> it's it's very is unhealthy to be best friends with your parents. I'm just going to say that. You said it. It's not it's not healthy. It's that's not healthy. Funny to me. It's not healthy. I agree, but I can't see past my own experience. All I do, 90 percent of my day, my mom has gotten in the habit of texting me and Val, and I just have to be like. Let me handle it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. please, you don't understand. This is like, a, this is a play for land. And I love my mom, but like, I'm always trying to put up boundaries. I don't want to be like, let's go to Macy's. Like, I don't want to do it. I want I, I, I want you to just be my mom. I do. I do appreciate the relationship that I have with both my parents now that sure. it's, 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 it's extended past, uh, <clears throat> you know, they tell me what time I need to be home. You know, yes. Uh, now I can. You've I come home when I roles. want. Yeah. yeah. But however, we haven't we haven't replaced that with. Um, hey, Alan. Uh, when do you, I don't, uh, you know, I, don't call, I don't call my parents by like, the first Alan. name. It's like that's fine if people do. But that was just never a thing we did. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, still yeah. dad. She's right. still mom. Right. Right. Um, right. But I, yeah, I, I find I feel um, I kind of identify as an agnostic now. I, I feel um, I, I am I am okay not knowing. I am okay. Uh, not um i i am totally at peace with you know you know the idea that you know what if there is some some existence after you know this form we're in now um i i'm excited to find out what it is mm. but i don't and you know i i have the utmost respect for anybody people of faith who you know um uh you know i i i don't i i you know it's in I, it's not something i wish that i still had but you know, I, I I have the utmost respect for people who do, mm-hmm. and but I also feel it, it's it's my belief that you know people's the what people have kind of um, the embodiment of of a a god figure has has taken on many different forms over the course of human history, and that there is not one that I'm willing to go all in on. You right, know, I'm not right. going to like put all my chips on this one. But can uh, do you feel that they're all <clears throat> pointing to something? Uh, even if that something is a mystery? Well, yeah. I mean, um, as opposed to avoid, what I'm saying is either they're pointing to something somewhere we don't understand doing something we don't know, or it's baloney time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's the difference between being an atheist and being an agnostic. I mean, for me at least is like, you know, there, there is like, there's nothing out there. These people are all fucking idiots. Right. And then there's like, well, look, you know, I, you know, there are everybody, I feel, I feel like I've had experiences in my life. Um, kind of fleeting moments that make you think like, you know, there must be something more to all of this. But if there's not, that's fine too. I love it. This is making me very happy. Um, Do you ever feel that when you're writing, creating, playing, do that intense connection with other people or with yourself, that sort of inner, where'd that line come from? Do you ever make your own plates fall and you go (laughs) like, ah, not going – Man with beard, but just going like ah, I just I, I'm tuning into something. It feels like a rush of 
other. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I feel like there are moments when I'm writing that I almost, you know, you'll, you'll, I'll sit and try to work on a tune for, you know, let's say a couple of weeks and everything I'm doing is kind of not really landing and I'm starting to get frustrated. And then in the course of a fairly short period of time, you go into, I go to my studio without any kind of pretense about what's going to happen. And like almost immediately I have something that I'm incredibly proud of. And it feels like I almost can't take credit for it. I like, it. I feel like it was like beamed down from somewhere yeah. and, um, or that I've tapped into some creative force somewhere that, I, you know, that was elusive to me for the last couple of weeks. Right. But now it's all kind of, it's, you know, I, all the, all the, the trash that I wrote for two weeks kind of like got me to this place mm. where like I was able to, I was able to receive this, uh, creative moment. Yeah. And I, and, and that's what, you know, I, I, I always, you know, not people don't ask me these kind of questions. So I'm kind of doing that thing where somebody, you know, people ask me, you know, yeah. nobody asked me this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I often think like, yeah, if I were to give advice, if somebody were to want advice on like writing songs, it's that like, look, it's writing is like a muscle. It's like if you don't use it, it atrophies. And <clears throat> I know that when I've been on tour for a while where I don't really write anything outside of just the occasional like, oh, that's a cool lyric idea in my phone. Um, you know, I know that, all right, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to my studio. I'm gonna, it's going to be like two or three weeks of slogging it out. Maybe a month, maybe two months. I don't know how long right. it's going to take to shake all this shit loose. Right. Um, and, you know, then I get on rolls where it's like, you know, we're, you know, working on this new record. We're kind of, you know, moving towards uh, more, more, you know, we certainly crossed the Rubicon of like, we're, we're closer to the end now than we are at the beginning. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, we started this record in October and, you know, three or four of the tunes that are going to be, that look like they're going to be on the record were things I wrote in September. Mm. Like just in one, just like bang, 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 bang. They all just kind of. Cause you're strong. You're road strong. It feels that yeah. way. Yeah. But you know, if we would have started this, I mean, I don't necessarily know if we would have started this record in July, if I would have had enough kind of, uh, creative kind of, uh, locomotion going to yeah. kind of get it there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And th- I, I think that's one of the interesting things about whatever we want to call, God or a pulse or something is that it wants something wants to create. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have to call it something. Creation is happening, mm-hmm. and we're part of it. Uh, Val and I took mushrooms recently, and I was closing my eyes, and I was like, even when you close your eyes, you have thoughts like they just start mm-hmm. blossoming. And I was like, they're like flowers. Like everything is aching to create for expression. And I was like, that's why I think creating things, even if – I'm not saying we have to do this for our, uh, a living. You and I are fortunate to have found a way to do that and, and feel comfortable in that. But everybody can f- attune to <laughs> creation, obviously, through creating, even if it is just a good conversation or something you'll never show anybody ever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's so – when we were tripping, it was so obvious. I was like, look, it's like you, even when you're still – some people are like, I can't shut my brain off. I was like, look at the drive mm-hmm. behind the curtain of going like more, more, this, this, more, more in the in the solar system, in the galaxy, in our molecules, things bonding and relationships happening on a chemical mm-hmm. level. There's a charge to reality. And when we merge with it, it feels really good. It does. And I mean my <laughs> and you know, you know, one thing that, you know, Zoe was when we were, you know, years ago, of course, was we were talking about you know, writing, and she put it in a way that I've I've quoted her oftentimes because it's so well put. It was like, mm. you know, it's like being a magician. Like there was nothing there, and now there's something there. It like defies right. like being a writer defies the laws of physics. There was nothing there, mm-hmm. and now there's a song. 
There was it, 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 we don't know That's where right. it came from, right. but it just like it just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've I always I've always really liked um, how she put that because like it's that. it is it really does feel like you know I don't know where I don't know where this came from. It's like it you know there's like there's not you know it's like it just it just appeared one day. Right. And you know and you know that's a good way to appreciate it to revive. We're talking about when we lose it. A good way to revive it is to remember the alchemy and the magic of it. Totally. Yeah. And just to, and that's. And it's that moment you're, we're all chasing, right? We're all cha- and you know I, but I I don't have. I, do you have a fear that one day it's all just going to go away? You're not going to have any. You're not going to be able to write again. No, now I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do, see. I don't. I, yeah, I, I, don't. I I when I was younger, I think I maybe did, and I've you know talked to some other people who were you know younger than I am slash was at the time. And I'd be like, I just feel, man, it's like I, maybe this is the last thing I'm ever going to write. And it's like I, I'm a real believer that your creativity is within you. Mm-hmm. And it's like it doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. But that you have to, you know, the more songs I write, I'm kind of – I'm slowly kind of painting myself into a corner. You know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, I'm very aware of the fact that, you know, it is, it is very possible. It's, 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 it's likely that the music that I will be known for, like, is music that I've already written. Mm. And that like – and, you know, the zeitgeist moments of my career where like, you know, these records kind of kind of came – you know, became part of like a particular public's consciousness in a moment in time where like this style of music was at its right. zenith. We wanted right? it. We yeah, wanted it was that. zenith. It, it was new. It was, it was new and it's like it's – and I, I'm very aware that that is most likely going to be the story of my career. However, um, it doesn't – it doesn't make – I, I don't a make new records with the idea of like you want every record you make to be the best thing you've ever done. Mm-hmm. They're not all going to be the best thing you've ever done, mm-hmm. and um, and also you know when you have a body of work like I do, and people have relationships to some of that work that now is you know in further gets further and further in my rearview with every day. Um, it's going to be very difficult to create something that is going to like is going to like. Uh, rank higher than that thing that is is the moment where they they first kind of discovered and mm. fell in love with what you do mm. and that's fine with me i don't you know i yeah. I, I i just i have i have made peace with that and it doesn't it certainly doesn't mean that like when i'm writing a record i'm like well fuck it doesn't matter right because it's never gonna be as good it's like no everything you want you know i as a as a musician as an artist like i'm trying to keep i'm i'm adding to like an ever-expanding body of work and when it's all said and done, hopefully somebody will go through it and like kind of start to find moments in it that they maybe they'll be outside of time. They'll well, and I just I, I just I just I just read the new uh, Lou Reed biography, which is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just so good, and I'm a huge Lou Reed fan. But even even saying that, as I'm reading this book, I'm realizing like there are huge gaps in his catalog mm. that I just and I'm making no comparison. But just like with my work in Lou Reed's, but just like there are, there were huge gaps in his in his catalog. That's like, you know what? I really haven't spent a lot of time with that record. I think I might have put it on, but it didn't really grab me. And then you know, this is a record that came out thirty five years ago. That now I'm listening to it again, and just I'm able to appreciate yes. it and be like, holy shit! There's some great fucking songs on here. And like, it took me having to you know recontextualize his career. Now that he's well, he's been gone for four years now. But after he's been go- he's been gone, and right. now we have this body of work, and now I'm digging into it, and I'm finding, 
I'm able to enjoy all of it without this contemporary context yeah. of like, this is the new thing. Yeah. What does the new thing mean? Is it the best thing? It's not. Then it's not worth anything. Right. You know, I, it's, it's, so, it's so fun as a music fan to do that with somebody else's catalog. And I just right. hope that when I'm gone, somebody will do the same thing with mine. Totally. I think that's also one of the benefits you have of not being a pop sensation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you can, you can have the benefit of a slower pace as opposed to like <clears> imagine if your, neck, if your next breath as an artist relied on your thing topping more sensual, mm-hmm. <laughs> more scandalous. Mm-hmm. What's this song about? You know, that, that's just a different lane that you're not in. You're in the Lou Reed lane where you can just go like – Someone is going to look at this outside of the Zenith scope. I like to think of myself as like I'm broken down on the Lou Reed lane. I'm just kind of like I got the flashers on. I'm kind of hoping for like somebody to like. What did you say earlier? Daylight basement. I thought that was a great phrase. I hate to do that to you, but you did say it. I think I did. You know that those – I wonder if you have friends like that. I'm friends with Matt Berninger from the National. Oh, awesome. And I'm always going like – <laughs> I do it to fuck with him, but like you guys, like you say interesting things, like daylight basement, and you're like, he's such a great, he's such like a, a, he's such a great lyricist too. He, I love it. He, yeah, his his kind of his um his you know. So I think some of his best work is when there are just these like fairly um like one of my favorite. I have num- a number of favorite songs of theirs, but that song Lemon World is one of my favorites yeah. because it's just like. I don't quite understand what you're talking about, but right. the, the, but just the the create this kind of the narrative that you're creating is so evocative, right? And then you know the choruses. We actually uh, talked about. Oh, go ahead. Oh, the, and the choruses just are kind of like I don't I don't want to make any assumptions about what you're what you mean by mm. you and your sister live in a lemon world, but I, I really like I it. I want to sit down and die. Yeah, I, I, re- I really right. I, I I I really like that. I Val and I were talking about Death Cab. And I was like, this is interesting. I don't typically – I have been and, and uh, it's not that I was resistant to you guys. But I was like, I know what Ben's singing about. And 90% of the music I listen to – I put on a Radiohead song and I was like, I've heard this song a thousand times. I don't know what this means. I don't mm-hmm. even know what he's saying. And I just kind of fall into a lot of stuff like that. And like I said, you're like white paper, beautiful, clean paper. And I kind of – it's not that you don't have any – Esoteria to your, but less, certainly less than Matt does. Less. That's yeah. what I mean. Certainly less than Matt does, I'm yeah. drawn to a national song where I'm like, I don't know, Lemon World. I actually remember reading a, a negative review of the National, which I found bizarre because it's my favorite band. There's a there's a negative review of the National somewhere in the world. <laughs> I, after after this, I, I look at Twitter and I see you retweet it. I'm like, you don't have to take them down. Um, but they were like. You, you, me, and your sister live in a lemon world. Get over it. You know, like it was like one of those. It cited that song as like you can't just write about nonsense. But I love that song too. I don't consider it nonsense. And it's also, I mean, it's interesting to you know, just kind of coming back around to this Lou Reed uh, book. It was you know they they're you know one of his inarguably best records um, is Berlin. I don't know if you've ever spent any time with that record. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. It's. You know, it's if you know there are like if you if there are five of the greatest Lou Reed records, Berlin is like one and two for me. It's like mm. it's just wonderful. And mm. and there was there you know there were excerpts from the Rolling Stone review of that record when it came out, which was just they brutalized it. Mm. And it's just so interesting to me. I think we're all hoping this will be the case for our careers, right? Mm-hmm. But I think you know I think that context, um, removing a contemporary context for a piece of work sometimes 
is is uh, is is the only way to really appreciate mm-hmm. what it is. And you'd like to hope that your work falls into that category. That when somebody listens to this later, and they're not like, yeah, that guy comes in the coffee shop. I fucking hate him. Uh, I don't like his music. Or oh yeah, I, I saw that guy one time, and I he wasn't. He, I he thought he was so funny, and guess what? He wasn't. Right. You know, um, when the work is just in the world, and the people who created it um, are not necessarily in your face all the time. Right. Um, that the work will connect with people in a way that maybe yes. it didn't connect uh, at, in the, at the time. Better Jesus, yeah. Be, better dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not even being disrespectful. A lot of <clears throat> these things get to become deeper art post them coming into the coffee shop and being a dick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It gives which them, I did, which I do often, by the way. I, I can tell yeah. with your yeah. ra- with your racial epithets. Epithets. Yeah. Epitaphs. What was the other word? I write racial epitaphs. I like <laughs> on the stones. One yeah. Chinese man lies here. It's racial. It's it. It's, 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 he was. He was Chinese. He was Chinese. He I was don't mean Chinese. to be racial, but he was. Uh, what was? What did he make me think of? We were talking about. That doesn't matter. You're great. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty great yourself. Thanks, Ben Gibbons. <laughs> I love you. I love your stuff. I can't wait to listen to it. Oh, and I want to listen to Berlin now. I left here, Penn Jillette was here we talked about blood on the tracks and the legend of that and how there were like three notebooks filled with terrible lyrics that led to that great album it was such a it's like one of those moments where i'm like oh the rest of my life i'm gonna say three notebooks like i'm gonna just know (laughs) what that means to myself like genius isn't what you think it is it's three notebooks of of nonsense well and some and you know you know you know, I hope it's. I hope uh, any people listening are not uh, insinuate think that I am insinuating that like thirty years from now people are going to listen to this shit and they're going to get it. They don't get it. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying because the very the very saying, opposite yeah. the very opposite could be true. Right. Like you know, um, for every you know there are there are uh, records or I'm sure like you know that I would put on now that I loved when I was a teenager and be like, oh my god, yeah, I like this thing, right? Or you know, some stuff. Uh, age is better than other stuff, and right. sometimes there's not really, there's no uh, some some music, some film, TV, whatever, books, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, you know, it's uh, its ability, you know, it, it crosses generations for a series of reasons that are sometimes really undeterminable, right? And you know, they become univer- a little more universal, and then other things exist in their time and place and are very much appreciated, right? And um, and Look, then they we just all they don't. loved somebody what we loved it. <laughs> don't fucking act like you didn't turn it up. It's been we loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, God, I just had something for you. It doesn't matter. I told you, I, I felt like I took drugs and I didn't. But, um, well, this room isn't helping because it's, it's very, very, it's hot. very warm in here. Yeah, it's very, very hot. Uh, well, we always because it gets a little heavy. We'd like to end with. Um, can you and don't feel put on the spot? Can you think of a time you laughed really, really hard? It doesn't have to be a great story. It's just you could be a kid with your wife. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a couple hints. Oftentimes it's a fart. Somebody farts. Mm-hmm. A situation you're not supposed to laugh. Church mm-hmm. funeral. Any time or drugs um, or. Yeah, a movie. Sometimes people say, mm-hmm. "Just if you're laughing to the point of tears, who are you with? Where are you? How old are you? What's a memory that you have of mm-hmm. dying laughing?" I mean, I feel. I wouldn't say I'm even embarrassed by this, but like you know, really kind of low rent slapstick humor still just 
Yeah. Slays me. Really? Slays me. Like, so not in life like someone slipping, but a video of someone slipping. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's like we – there's like we're in, the, we're in the studio making this record and like I follow a couple accounts that are like just on Instagram. They're like yeah. just people falling, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like people like – I'd like to think that like if, if these videos are in the world, it's not – they're not – they weren't paralyzed. Right. But just like – That's the understanding. That's the understanding. That's, yes. that's the social contract right. I've entered is this that – This person is living. Yeah. If, if that this video is on dummies doing things, yeah, 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 yeah. that this person is that, fine. Valentine you know, got is uh, fine. stoned and we watched a video and it was like we wanted to watch – she was like, watch Magician Fails. I was like, that sounds pretty funny. The first video we watched was a guy juggling knives and he cuts <clears throat> his hand off. We're like, fuck Whoa, you. Nope. That's wrong. Nope. Social yeah. contract. Yeah. yeah like well, – t- yeah. I mean it was like – I think it was like – uh, New Year's Day, and uh, you know it was just like a week ago. The New Year's Day, and I'm like, you know, I kind of woke up. We were at a, we were at stayed at a friend's house here in Los Angeles, and we had a great night. People around having a good time. Woke up, and I was like, next in bed next to my wife, and I was like, picked up my phone, I was like looking at Instagram, and uh, it was like a video of like a woman like holding like a <laughs> she's like holding. I mean, like thinking about it, she's like holding a like champagne bottle, like it looks like she's setting up like a selfie, like being very sexy, and the thing just goes off and hits her right in the face. <laughs> Oh. Like the thing just and I just I just lost it. My wife was like, "What the fuck?" I'm like trying to sleep. I'm like, "I'm so sorry." This is like just because in my mind, the world I'm creating in this particular like five second clip yes. is that this woman is setting up like the sexy like check it out, you know, Dom Perignon, and then yes. it goes off. But then she was cool enough to like go, "Hey, check this!" Like send it to somebody. She posted it. She posted it because it's fucking hilarious. Yes. Like and to me that's one of like that in a nutshell is one of the things I look for in human beings is the ability to like, just like, you know, like when something, when something ridiculous happens to them, they're not willing to be like, you're not going to believe check out this video. I hit myself in the face with a champagne cork. Yes. Like to have both. That's what separates us from orangutans is that we go, boy, I was disgraced. You want to see it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But also, but, but to, but the juxtaposition of vanity yeah. And yes. and and absurdity is sweet. fucking great. It's Salty so sweet. great. And that and so I was like this person must be pretty cool cuz they let, seen, they put this in the world. I've seen those videos where someone's clearly making a sexy video for someone. Like they're walking in and music's on and they slip. I don't think it gets any funnier. No, oh, it's the best. It's one of the things. I don't think there's a musical equivalent. Maybe there is. Maybe it's like pop music or something. But in comedy, people who listen to this podcast a lot will know I'm going to say this. I've been in a comedy club where they show falls and slips and stuff, mm-hmm. on to, and it gets bigger laughs than the comedy show. You're just kind of like, ah, fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? All this effort. <laughs> and I, really, I just need to be like, just kind of like a curvy woman getting a dumb burning on in the face, and you're like, ah. I think the musical version of that is like guys who like make like dance music and like Fruity Loops yeah. and then go make $20 million a year like yeah. in Vegas. It's like, yeah. why am I even doing this? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Like, right. You know, but that's a skill in and of itself. I wouldn't say right. falling and is, is quite a skill. But like, you know, there are some things where it's like, yeah, people want to go and fucking dance right. and take ecstasy. Like they want to do that more than they want to hear some guy sing right. some sad songs. Right. And like if seeing somebody get kicked in the nuts is always funny. Right. And it's like probably funnier than anything coming out of your and mouth. If you take yeah. if you take ecstasy and you hear something that changes slightly every eight bars, you're in heaven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh now there's like a like you feel it in your brain. Never done it. Would like to. Uh, well, that's a great answer. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. This was too. This was a long one. <laughs> it wasn't too long, but we we won. This is great. I we really won I the day. Enjoyed myself. Yes, yeah. you did great. 
Thank you. You feel great. You're a delight. We have the guests say, um, keep it crispy at the end. Would you please say, oh, and what, do you know the name of the record or anything that you want to plug? Uh, no, we're, we're still making early. it. Early. Yeah, it's early. It's one of those things like, I never, like, whatever I would say about the record now would be something I'd be answering questions about in nine months. Right. It's like, you went on Pete Holmes' podcast. Right. You said it was going to be Peruvian. You said it was going to be called uh, Daylight Basement. Uh, uh, you said it was going to be uh, influenced by Peruvian folk music uh, and an actuality. So, yeah. So I'd sit here with uh, ben, uh, ben Gibbard from <clears throat> Death Cab's Cuties. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, that's how I feel on press tour. You know what, you know what the worst, the worst mis, uh, misappropriation of our name What's on tour? We showed up at a show in Columbia, South Carolina to being billed as Death Camp for Cutie. Death Camp for Cutie. <laughs> it was gnarly. It was gnarly. <laughs> Have you considered Death Uber for Cuties? <laughs> I'm just cab. No one knows what a cab is anymore, Ben. Yeah, it was one of those things where we didn't have, we didn't quite have Death the clout. We didn't, we didn't have the clout to get mad about it. You know, it was kind of like, it was a show where like, I think three people showed up and two of them went on to be an iron and wine. So it was like, you know, it was like, they were kind of like, yeah, that's like, we don't really, there's no one we can, com- there's not a guy here to complain about this dude. That's Let's just get, so play the show funny. and get the fuck out of here. That's what well, Jack Johnson told a story like that where he had a record that was called the name of a hip hop guy and he did a show and everyone there was there to see the hip hop oh, no. guy. And he was just like, eh, there's no one to even get mad for. He just, he just played banana pancakes. We did, we did get a really good, really awesome. I wish I had still had a review of the first album because at the time people would just like, you know, hire a publicist. They just send it out everywhere. Like who, who fucking knows? And it ended up at this like death metal magazine in uh in florida Mm. um and the review was (laughs) um you know something about you know us being wimps and then (laughs) think of the slowest Beatles song you've ever heard and then make it slower that's what this band sounds like and i was like that sounds like a pretty good band that's so funny that's a great idea for a band that's That's like because if i read that i'd be like i gotta hear this band it sounds like this would be there but that was the language these metal guys like ew I don't want that was, I don't know what that is. That was the Radiohead story, the song 15 Step, you know, the first song oh, yeah. of In Rainbows. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, they got a review that was like, this band, this new song sounds like a garbage track, blah, blah, blah. Too, too many drugs. Like they tried to make fun of it. And Radiohead was like, that's what we're trying to make it sound. Let's make it sound more like what this person is complaining it yeah, sounds like. Totally. And that's how they got it. I love that. Uh, well, hit us with a Keep It Crispy and, we'll, and we'll, we'll just keep an eye out for all your stuff. All right. Keep it crispy. <laughs> you made it kind of musical. I kind of did, yeah. It was a little, little note at the end. Yeah. It was a little sing. I kind of, it was a little like, like a little <laughs> bit of vibrato on it too. And it was slower than any Beatles song I've ever Yeah. Heard. When Paul McCartney does it, it'll be faster. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, man. Absolutely. Now leaving Nerdist.com.